Good morning. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of GCR. I'm Glenn, and who is this strange person across the way from me? Who are you exactly? How's, how's it going? My name's Griffin. Uh, okay. First day? Uh, first day, yeah, yeah. Just well about. It feels, you know, you kind of feels that way. Comfortable? You think you can handle all this? Yeah, I think so. We got a, an audience of millionths. Millionths? Millionths. It sounds dramatic. Right, well, that's the best way to say it. Uh, tuned in, so you better not screw it up today. Um, hi. Hi. Orioles win last night. We'll talk about that this morning. Coming up a little bit later on today, we're going to check in down in Norfolk. Connor Norby. You know, everybody's assumed is going to be the second baseman of the future in Baltimore. Of course, some people think that he might be the guy that ends up on the trade block. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I know which one is more likely. Honestly, I, I don't know that I have that answer for you. Um, but we're going to head down to Norfolk, and we're going to chat with Connor Norby today. He got off to a bit of a slow start this season. He's heated up a little bit more of late. Uh, is hitting 285 right now. 339 could improve that on the on-base percentage. And uh, 769 OPS. So we'll talk to Connor Norby in a bit. Also this morning, we'll get a little bit more information about Cedric Mullins. The Orioles are hoping it's weeks, not months. Which seems like it should be a hashtag, and we should be able to use that in other which ways. Which is kind of like what Harbaugh said, days to weeks. Right. Days to weeks was what John Harbaugh said for uh, Lamar Jackson, of course, famously. And it turned to months. Yes, it did. So... I don't know. Technically, he was right because yeah. it was still we- it was still days. Actually. Yeah, days and weeks. Uh, I guess I don't know. Uh, but we will uh, catch up. Uh, normally, we talk uh, whenever there's a Ravens injury with our friend Dr. David Chow, the former Chargers team doctor, Mr. Pro Football Doc. But um, you know, there's no football going on right now, so why not lean in on uh, Dr. Chow to try to give us some information about Cedric Mullins? So we will do that this morning as well, and who knows what other fun and frolic might come up. If uh, it, it might be Griffin doing a movie review, we haven't done that in a long oh, time. Shoot, we'll, yeah, see. we'll see. I don't even remember what was uh, up next on the list. What uh, was the next I watched one? Forgetting Sarah Marshall ah, most recently. Yeah. Ah, all right, that might be the one. Do you even remember it though? At this I, point? I think I wrote down notes. All right, good. Make sure you had the notes because that might be something that we call upon if uh, some of the other folks that we had reached out to. I can do my. Uh, I mean, I've now that I did Angel Stadium and Dodger Stadium, I can do my. Mm, I can do my ballpark. I'm I not, do my not ballpark really, rankings. Not really concerned about that. That's what everyone's actually asking about. I'm trying to think if I've ever been to. Angel Stadium. I went to Dodger Stadium once and Diamondbacks played out there. I don't know that I ever went to Angel Stadium, actually. Okay, my notes are here. All right, good, good. We'll have to, uh, to come back to that at some point. All right, um, so a couple, a couple of things here at the start of the show. First of all, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, I uh, I don't know what there is to say. Last night was a weird night because you certainly whenever whenever you jump out to a huge lead, like you know, say a seven nothing lead in the second inning of a baseball game, you'd like to think that you won't need to go to Yanir Cano in the seventh inning of that game. You'd like to hope that it won't be a night in which you have to not only use, but perhaps overextend your high-leverage relievers because you have to turn around and play another game today at 3 o'clock. You'd like to think that would be the case. 
it was nice to see the bats come alive because it's been, you know, frankly, a disaster over the course of the last few days. But at the same time, it was disheartening that the game ended up being as interesting as it became. And for as much credit as we give the Orioles' bullpen, and I know uh, Stephanie Epstein from SI just wrote a whole piece about the Orioles' bullpen, as much credit as we're giving the Orioles' bullpen on the whole, pretty disappointing from Brian Baker and Danny Colome that they weren't able to shut the door so that it wouldn't be necessary to turn things over. Austin Voth, did they even even announce Austin Voth was starting today? It's such a weird bit, isn't it? Uh, like no, we all known end. that Austin Bo- yeah. Voth was going to be, and, and I said this a couple times. What they were protecting themselves for was a scenario by which it became an emergency, and Austin Voth was needed out of the bullpen, and so they weren't going to just announce. Like it, it, this is sort of a reflection on how not permanent they believe this to be with Austin Voth, and I'd have to start looking at the schedule to figure out when the off days are. To, there's an off day tomorrow, right? Before they go out to San Francisco this weekend, yes, tomorrow's an yeah. off day. So they, I mean, they. Oh, hang on a second. Now, now I'm now I'm gonna get. I want to make sure I have all of this right. So off day tomorrow, and then another off day, off day on Monday. So they wouldn't need a fifth starter again until Saturday the tenth. So presumably they could pitch Austin Voth today, and then just put him right back in the bullpen and figure it out on the tenth. They would then need a fifth starter again the following Saturday, the 17th, against the Cubs. They have off, like, for whatever reason. I know they just, have, like, six off they're, days. They're, not just, they're just not working Mondays. <laughs> they're getting their summer schedule in. They're going to a minor league schedule, and they're just not working Mondays for a little while. Not a bad schedule. I, I have thought about maybe yeah. go, doing something similar this summer here with Glenn Clark Radio <laughs> and not working Mondays. It's not a joke. It's a, con- it's a, it's a concept that we've considered. Um Look, I don't really care about who today's starter is because it's not permanent. And it kind of dovetails into the conversation about Aaron Hicks. Austin both pitches today. If he pitches well, then he'll probably you know, get the opportunity to start again. They'll probably look to make it work that way that he could start again. But they're going to use him as necessary out of the bullpen up until the 10th. Unless for whatever reason they just really – if he's if he makes a, a really good start and they – think that they found what they found with him last year. Maybe they just put him in the rotation and say, we're not going to skip the fifth time through the rotation, and Austin Voth is just going to be the fifth guy, and that'll be the way that it goes. There was a lot of hullabaloo yesterday about Aaron Hicks. And I was, I don't know, weirded out by it in a way. I, I don't know why signing Aaron Hicks required the reaction that it got. I I think it's because in some places it was written as uh, Aaron Hicks, Cedric Mullins' replacement. And that triggered something. Because we all know very clearly Aaron Hicks sure as F ain't Cedric Mullins. But we also know that Aaron Hicks isn't here to be Cedric Mullins' replacement. Aaron Hicks is here... Because the Orioles are trying to figure out what they're going to do for a little while. And there's a lot of different opinions. We floated a lot of these theories out here yesterday. Uh, My buddy Paul Valley from the Bataround is enamored with the idea of, for whatever reason, Jorge Mateo playing center field. I know they mentioned that last night. It's one of the more... It's so bizarre to me 
not because I'm certain that Jorge Mateo in center field would be an utter and complete disaster by any stretch of the imagination. I have no idea. And he's done it a little bit. But because the only justification for Jorge Mateo being in the lineup is that you know he's an outstanding defensive shortstop. So if he's not going to play shortstop, why would he be in the lineup? Now, that being said, what he came up with a big, he came up with a big hit last night. I I hope that Jorge Mateo turns things around. But before we were having a conversation about Cedric Mullins because he got hurt and how they're going to replace him, we were having a conversation about whether or not Jorge Mateo should be in the lineup every day. So Jorge Mateo moving to center field is simply not an answer of any sort to me. The suggestion was then made by um, our pal Zach Goodman from the bat round. Well, call up the, the reason why Paul wants that is because he wants Westberg here. So call up Westberg and let him play a corner outfield position. To which I said, look, I, I, I'm not saying no. As much as I'm saying, aren't you, aren't you setting another player up for issues by bringing them up when you need them to be a bat and then asking them to do uncomfortable things that they're not used to doing, either by playing multiple positions, sort of what you've done with Gunnar Henderson, you don't know what it is that you're going to be doing on a given night, or by putting him in a position that you don't have nearly as much experience at, Right. Like Jordan Westberg playing in the outfield. This is kind of Jim Palmer kind of brought it up on the broadcast last <laughs> night. And it was because the idea of Mateo playing center came up. And he was like, well, because then you kind of hurt yourself. Obviously, you'd have to recall uh, Joey Ortiz so he can play short. But unless you do that, and if you don't do that, then you're hurting yourself in two positions. Well, and I think that would be immediately, Palmer, yeah. I 100% believe that they would call up Joey Ortiz. With the And I, I'm comfortable with Joey Ortiz playing shortstop in general. But I just don't understand why you need to have Jorge Mateo in the lineup if he's not playing shortstop. If you could know that Jorge Mateo was an outstanding center fielder, okay. Center field's an important position on the, like by the way, Austin Hayes looked pretty comfortable last night. All things being equal. For as much as we said he's only a so so outfielder, you know, he definitely whatever was going on in right field for both right fielders <laughs> last night was not going on in center field. Austin Hayes looked very comfortable patrolling center field last night. Um if I could know that Jorge Mateo could play an outstanding center field, like Okay, but you're just experimenting with something when there's no reason to keep that bat in the lineup. His value is very specific. Outstanding defensive shortstop. Most important position on the field. And as baseball mind after baseball mind will tell you, you'll sacrifice at shortstop because the the position is so important that you have to have a high-level defender there. Center field is also important because of all of the range that you have to cover. I'm not saying it isn't important, but it pales in comparison to shortstop. I'm not putting a zero bat in center field. That's kind of bizarro world. I'm not doing this to Jordan Westberg where I'm calling him up and saying, now you got to go do something else, which doesn't mean he couldn't do it. I have no idea. And by the way, as I said yesterday, if you ask Jordan Westberg today, he'd tell you, yeah, of course I can do it. Because he wants to be on the club. But that's an unfair way to set things up. So let's keep going down the list then. My suggestion was Adam Frazier. Now, I have no idea if Adam Frazier can run around in the outfield, but when it was brought up to me, I said, that's intriguing. 
You have this glut of infielders. Adam Frazier's a solid second baseman, but not, you know, historic by any stretch of the imagination. He has some value to his bat, and obviously his veteran presence is nice. But if you can, you know, solve this problem by playing Frazier some more in the outfield and then using all of the infielders that you have to your advantage by moving whoever to second base, and I guess that would be asking Westberg to play second base at that point, I like that more than sticking Westberg in left field, I think. I think that's more natural to him than putting him in left field. So, okay, I'm intrigued. But I don't think it's an answer. I don't know if Frazier can play in left field. I have no idea. The reality is one of two things is going to happen in in the next couple of weeks. Either Cedric Mullins is going to return because this is not as bad as some of us feared immediately. Or, when Colton Kowser's healthy, he's going to be here and is going to be the everyday center fielder. This is a temporary fix that you're looking for. There is no reason to react so ridiculously to Aaron Hicks. If the Orioles were announcing Aaron Hicks is here and is going to be our everyday center fielder, okay, I could see why you may be like, why? But Aaron Hicks is here, and there's about a billion ways to skin this cat. And the Orioles are going to try a bunch of them. And as was pointed out, Aaron Hicks' splits actually suggest that, despite the fact that he kind of overall stinks, <laughs> um, he might be able to help you. Maybe. I, I don't want to oversell that, right? Like, I don't want to make it seem like Aaron Hicks is is killing it, but... Switch hitting outfielder versus. Um, hang on a second. I saw this going around last night. Now I can pull. I can always pull it up. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Looking at on. splits for for this season alone. For this season alone, all right. So Not for his career, because for his career, it is, there's everything's kind of bottomed right. out. It's very, <laughs> it's very mediocre. But I saw this going around yesterday, and I was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. Splits this season versus versus left-handed pitchers. He's hitting 278. Now, it's a small sample size. It's 10 games. I'm not trying to oversell it. But it suggests that maybe the Orioles, in recognizing that they just came off a series in which they struggled against lefties, say, let's see. This guy might be able to help against lefties. He appears the same way that Cedric Mullins was terrible against lefties and now all of a sudden is a killer against lefties. Maybe, maybe Aaron Hicks can at least help us out a little bit against lefties for these couple of weeks until, again, one of two things plays out to give us our everyday answer in center field. Now, if you're asking me to bet, of course I would bet no. I I take the bet. I'm going to bet that Aaron Hicks has like one or two big hits, and we all kind of roll our eyes a little bit like, all right, you know, it's tip our cap. He's going to hit a double. Birdbat's going to get wet. And, right. Uh, and But the reality is I'm going to guess that Aaron Hicks as an Oriole will not be significant in any sort of way. But he's not here to be significant in any sort of way. I I know we always just want it to be that the player is called up. And it's a far bigger problem. This was 
John Mioli brought it up when we talked to him yesterday. If the Orioles had a healthy Colton Kowser and were choosing not to bring him up, we could talk about that. We could have a conversation about that being insanity. Saying that this is a failure because they didn't immediately bring up Jordan Westberg, I'm not willing to agree with you about that. There's not an obvious place for Jordan Westberg to play. Any of these things that we're talking about doing are forces, which doesn't mean the Orioles can't do them or that it would be shameful if they if they do, if like tomorrow they decide, oh, the hell with it, we're going to bring up Westberg and try this. I'm not, that's not a failure on their part. But we're trying to force something. It's a square peg round hole situation from Apollo 13. We, it's not obvious that the answer here is Jordan Westberg. We are interested in Jordan Westberg because he's Jordan Westberg. And I get that. And don't get me wrong, I want to see him at the major league level at some point. I also know that every time we convince ourselves that the answer for the Orioles offensively is the next guy that's coming up from the minor leagues, typically we find out it's going to take a little while. You're going to have to deal with kind of a bumpy start, at least. For Adley Rutschman, it took a month. For Gunnar Henderson, it's taken at least the first three months of his major league career. You know, he had a couple of big hits, obviously, in September. The team wasn't mm-hmm. very good, but I think he was productive. Seems like he's had a good last and week the, or the so. And the last week suggests that maybe he's starting to turn the corner. But we're three months into his career, and he has not been an offensive savior of any sort. And I keep saying, look, the gun obviously had a big night last night, in partly helped by an absurd misplay of a ball in right field. I hope that Gunnar Henderson is turning the corner because any path to the Orioles accomplishing the things that you want them to accomplish this season has to include Gunnar Henderson really stepping his game up. There's no way around it. You're going to need Gunnar Henderson to produce at a much higher level offensively for the Orioles to have a chance at winning the AL East, at advancing in the postseason. All of the big goals that you want, all of the goals of significance that you have for the Orioles, none of them are attainable without Gunnar Henderson being a much better offensive player unless you're going to do some wild things at the trade deadline. I mean, I, I don't know that you can come up with a path. But he's not been a savior by calling him up. Expecting any of these guys to be a savior immediately when they get caught up is, is kind of crazy. They're going to need time. Now, they're going to need time whenever they get caught up. So to say, well, if you do it in July, they're going to need time too. Maybe get it over with right now so that you feel better about where Jordan Westberg is. Perhaps. But you also kind of need a plan. And I don't know what that plan is. It's why I keep coming back. At some point, they've got to make a decision about Mateo, the everyday player. It's kind of got to start there. The, the month of May seems like it's making it more easy. It seems like, that way, but it also seems like they really are in love with he's so good defensively. Steals a lot of bases. We just don't want to mess with it. I, I, It's tough. It's very difficult because I understand that argument and because it's also the acceptance that you're not trading Jorge Mateo for something. Like once upon a time, Jorge Mateo could have been that chip that you used knowing what else was coming. If another team said, well, we like Jorge Mateo, you could have used him. But it's harder and harder to fathom. Now there's more and more examples of the frustration that other teams felt when they gave up on Jorge Mateo. 
it's a track record. He tantalizes you. It's I I was John Mioli was on yesterday and got a little bit of flack for saying, hey, Ramon Arias is the player that you think Jorge Mateo is because he's actually good defensively and actually helps with the bat, and he's consistent. And people were, you know, they got a negative response. But I get what he's saying, and he and I kept texting throughout the day, and I said the obsession with Jorge Mateo, as much as I want to like Jorge Mateo, and I get it, and I see why he's exciting, the obsession with Jorge Mateo is borderlining on the Felix P.A. phenomenon where Orioles fans were so desperate to find a truly talented player. And there had been so much talk about Felix P.A. coming up in the Cubs system that they wanted to sell themselves on Felix P.A. being something that he never actually was. You kept saying, well, he's got these five tools. No, he doesn't. He's never had them. (coughs) Jorge Mateo has had them for stretches, for Three weeks, Jorge Mateo is yeah. as exceptional a player as you can imagine. It was last July and then April. Yes. Yeah. Two very small blips on the radar. And I'm not trying to trash Jorge Mateo because he is an outstanding defensive player, and he is fast as hell, and he does have moments where he looks like he's a really good baseball player. But total package? I, I think we know the answer at some point. So there's a bunch of different things that fall into ones. I don't think it's a failure that the Orioles are giving Aaron Hicks the opportunity to be a part. They're piecing something together until they get to their answer. I'm not excited about it. Cedric Mullins is hurt. That's devastating. Nothing is making up for losing your best player. So putting anything in the conversation with losing Cedric Mullins, you're on the, the, the short end of the stick. Nothing can make up for not having Cedric Mullins on the field. Hopefully, it's not that long-term. Hopefully. If it is, hopefully Colton Kowser is here in a couple of weeks, and you're going to get a prolonged opportunity to see whether Colton Kowser truly is your center fielder of the future. Aaron Hicks is not that, and the Orioles know he's not that. He's here in the way that you guys wanted Franchi Cordero to be on the team. He's the 26th guy. Correct. He's here. He's not here for a long time. He's here for a good time. Hopefully. I hope, yes. He's here for a minute. And if if he does produce against lefties, then maybe he gets to keep a roster spot for a little while. And if he doesn't, then he's gone. I don't think it required the angst that you guys showed yesterday about Aaron Hicks. And again, I'll go back to, if they were choosing to do this with Aaron Hicks over bringing up a healthy Colton Kowser, I'd be with you. Shameful. But they didn't do that. The guy that you guys want here can't play center field. And there's not an obvious way We're all dancing in our minds about how they could force it, but it doesn't make it a good idea. They'll do this for a minute. They'll see if it works. Again, against lefties. If it doesn't work, then they'll need to move on pretty quickly. I I, I don't... We're mad about Cedric Mullins being hurt. That's the part that stings. Not that they're 
taking a flyer on. It's also funny because Orioles fans historically love taking flyers on guys that used to be good. This is the funny thing about the the reaction to yesterday. What was the? Was like, there's no fan base that has more been on board with like Johan Santana and Matt Harvey and Justin Dukesher and all of these turds. Brett Phillips last year. Brett Phillips. Eh, I don't know. They, I, I, I didn't sense the fan base yeah. was really all that excited about Brett Phillips. Maybe it's just pitchers. Maybe that's really yeah. what it is. Is like the Orioles fans over the years just there's not. It, it can't hurt. You're not losing anything. Look at Roger Clemens right now. I guess the other the comparison is that those guys typically sign minor league contracts, so like yeah. it is a little bit different. like if Aaron Hicks was was being signed and sent to Norfolk, everyone was like he's taking batting practice. This is ridiculous. No, if he was being signed and going to Norfolk, I don't think I think everybody would just say okay, who cares, right? And I guess that would be the other question. Like, do you really care that much about Aaron Hicks versus Daz Cameron? Like, are you really worked up that it's Aaron Hicks instead of Daz? Like is, is that what is that what people are worked out? I guess no. They, they, I don't think that subconsciously. But, that's, but that's sort of what like you guys want it to be. Aaron Hicks versus Jordan Westberg, but you know it isn't. It's not that. You're trying to force it so that it's a choice between Aaron Hicks and Jordan Westberg, but that's not the case. That's why I keep coming back to it. If it was Hicks versus Kowser, I get it. I you're right, a joke, but it's not that. It's taking a flyer on a guy versus trying to force three different things in order to make this work. And I, you can't get me get worked up about that. You just can't. But I don't expect big things from Aaron Hicks either, for the record. Um, Orioles will wrap up the series today, and Austin Vogt will go. Um, Matt Torper, don't love the move to add Hicks, but hard for me to get too upset about it either. At least it gives Kowser some breathing room to get healthy, fully rehab, and regain his bearings. That's the point. I mean, this is temporary. This is, we know what the backup plan will be. Plan A is Cedric, Cedric Mullins is weeks, not months. That's plan A. Plan B is Colton Cowser gets here in a few weeks. If, if, neither, if both of those things fall apart, then there's far bigger problems. This is temporary to pass you through to one of those two things. That's it. That's all this is. And, again, I don't expect Aaron Hicks to play 50% of the time. I expect Aaron Hicks to play against lefties. And I think we should all point out we should have reason to be concerned about the Orioles' performance against lefties. Logan Allen on Monday. How'd that look? (laughs) How'd it go? How'd it go over the weekend against um, Heaney? And then who was the other? Bradford? 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 How'd it go against that dude? The Orioles have a lefty problem. And so I actually kind of believe when Michael Elias said yesterday, hey, we were thinking about this even before Cedric Mullins got hurt, there's a chance he's telling the truth. Because they have a problem. They, they do. They have a problem against lefties. The Giants have not announced any of that. I mean, it's Wednesday, so that doesn't surprise me. The Giants have not announced who's starting this weekend. So maybe they try to force Hicks into the lineup. Like today, just to get him get his feet wet, I, I that wouldn't make sense to me. I don't see any value in that. But maybe they do. Maybe they attempt to force him into the lineup today just to to get him some playing time. Brandon Hyde has kind of been that. Like if you're going to be on the team, you need to play at some point. Um, 
I saw yesterday was the anniversary of the game one of the the streak for Cal Ripken, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody commented on it and was like, thank God he didn't play for Brandon Hyde because he would have been forced to take a day off every week. And that's not a knock on Brandon Hyde. It's just, you know, I, that's the way it's he... It's kind of the way... Well, it's kind of the way things are it, now, though. To, to yeah. your point, I mean, look, it, it's kind of always the way things have been. Cal Ripken was definitely the anomaly. <laughs> Let's be fair about that. Um, but yes, to your point, almost everyone is is told, take a day off, you know, like, we, we we use the roster. We have 26 guys on the roster. Let's use the players and go from there. Uh, but Shane Bieber on the mound against, again, we believe it to be Austin Voth for the finale today at 3 o'clock. All right. When we come back in, we'll get into Would You Rather Wednesday. Already getting a ton of responses for it. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio for you to get in. Today's show brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Hello. I don't know what just happened there. A.J. Michaels, heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is here. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. For what it's worth, it looks like Alex or Alex Wood is pitching today, so I think that might be their only lefty in the rotation. So, or I, yeah, because yeah, Alex Cobb's a righty, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Logan Webb should be going this weekend at some point. And then Sean Manaya. Eh, he hasn't been good. He might not even be starting. Uh, yeah. But if they miss Alex Wood, that seems like a good sign. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it, so Manaya almost has to pitch though, because don't isn't Stripling on the the injured he, list? Stripling is. It looks like they think Stachlafani will go on Sunday, but he's a righty, isn't he? Yes, he's a righty for sure. Yeah, yeah Wood and Manaya are the only lefties. So they might be using. Nine. I think they're using Nye out of the out of the bullpen. As well, like kind of the, a long are day. they not? Do they not have a fifth starter? Then? They have Cobb and Webb. Cobb Webb. Yeah, I guess right now they just might. Yeah, because Deshawn went yesterday. So yeah, they're okay. just gonna throw him on because they they're off tomorrow as well. So, so they're, they're just skipping the yeah, fifth they're just spot. Gonna skip the fifth okay. Spot. All right. Well, then that would that would mean no lefties, I guess, yeah. if it works out that way. All right. Very good. We'll come back in. Play. Would you rather Wednesday on Glenn Clark Radio? Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mmm Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? 
A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. Did you meet uh, Shohei while you were out there? Did you? Uh, no, I didn't get a chance to like mm-hmm. run into him, unfortunately. That's a real bummer. But, a yeah. Real bummer. Um, but you, yeah, I did, did see have, him, and he was... Uh, he have, was did you have any, any like, celebrities? It's, it's so, Tinseltown. Uh, did, did you have I did, a celebrity I did, I did have one. Oh, God. I did oh, have I one. I don't want to talk about this one. I Why really not? don't want to talk about it. Why not? This is... I have a real problem with this. Go, go ahead. You can tell everybody. I that. had a killer encounter, really. No, don't. It's bad. Don't do that. What? What's don't wrong do, with that? I think this is the problem with people. And, and I mean this. It's not just people your age, right? We have real reason to believe that O.J. Simpson murdered two people. It shouldn't. That's that's the story. Griffin bumped into O.J. Simpson I, he, in the airport. Yes, that's I, a thing yeah. that happened. And I'm going to make a comparison. Someone I like who works in the appearance business came up to me one day and was like, dude, you're not going to believe who I'm doing an autograph signing with. I was like, The Rock? You know, like, that would be pretty exciting, right? Like, what an event that would be. He said, O.J. Simpson. And I said, dude, that's not that's, that's not exciting. He's doing an autograph signing? Like, that's, you, and, I, and, I, and I, I didn't have the heart. You should be ashamed. You should be. You should be ashamed that you are helping someone profit off the infamy of a legitimate reason to believe that they killed two people. You'd say, well, no, but he was a Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. You know. You know. I don't find anything cheeky about O.J. Like, when somebody's like, oh, you can't believe what O.J. Simpson said on Twitter, I said, it's shameful that any of us are following him. It's shameful that you haven't muted and blocked him. It's shameful that our obsession with celebrity in this country is so overwhelming that we 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 just we we can't separate it and i'm not taking it out on you right, like you didn't right. go get a selfie with him you no. didn't go get his autograph so i do at least give you credit for that but like it's one of those i deal with this a lot i don't know if you were there that so i i almost have like a tragic hit list of interviews that i've done over like some of my best interviews of all time famously and we just had the anniversary of one of them because it popped up on my Facebook memories, and I was like, oh. Famously, when I was first given afternoons on the old station that doesn't exist anymore, and it was the first time I had my own just a Glenn Clark. Glenn Clark show. We didn't Glenn call Clark. it that. We called it the reality check. Ooh. Um, but the second day Let's of— go back to that. Yeah, right? I actually like that name of the show. People, I, I don't remember. I think it was Stephen Pim— Somebody—I got to figure out. Stephen Dundalk maybe was the person that suggested it. Because it was reflection of how I do things pragmatically, how I'm I'm mm. just not I don't fall the into the realist Glenn Clark. Right, it was that pragmatic approach that I took, and he said I like the reality check because the we were gonna call it 
W Glenn ST was what we were going to call it based mm-hmm. on the name of the radio station that used to exist. <laughs> um, Could have worked. I somebody think. had the idea of First and Glenn. Like there were a few names that were thrown out there because I was told on the first day, like by by tomorrow you have to know the name of the. Like I was informed on a Monday morning that I was now doing afternoons. It's a funny story about it. So you didn't know in three I, hours. I was told on Sunday night, hey, don't come in tomorrow morning. And I was like, well, that's weird. That doesn't seem good. Who's <laughs> what? What? <laughs> like. They're, they're, they're like, dude, just trust me. Uh, Luke's going to fill in for you on the morning show tomorrow. Just don't come in tomorrow morning. I'll talk to you midday tomorrow. And I legitimately remember like, dating a girl at the time. Like, I think I, might, <laughs> I think I might be getting the axe. But I also remembered there had been conversations in the past about, like, hey, we think you should be doing your own show. And so I was like, maybe maybe that's what's going on. I would, I would kind of like to know. And and I do remember, it's hilarious knowing who the person is that told me this. Like, I do remember him saying, like, dude, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just trust me. And an irony, given the person, like, who it was that was saying for me to trust them. Like, hilarious in hindsight. But for whatever reason, the moment, I did. I was like, uh, all right. And I just remember t- saying to the girl I was dating, like, I, I think maybe I, I might be getting moved out of mornings. Like, I think that might be what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, and then, yes, indeed, I came in the next day at noon, and they were like, hey, you're hosting Afternoons now. And I was like, oh, congrats. Okay, cool. I, I start today? And they were like, yes, you start in two hours. Go get ready. I was like, all right, cool. Um, but, yeah, the, the second day, so I, I walk into Ryan Chell, who was producing at the time, and I said, we need, a, we need something big. We need to launch <laughs> the show in a big way. And my first big guest on the second day of the show was Bill Cosby. There you go. Who at the time, of course, was yeah. America's sweetheart. He was America's father, right? Like, he was a beloved, iconic figure. He did an hour with me, and it went so well, and we had such a good conversation that he literally gave Ryan his cell phone number and said, call whenever you'd like. Well done. And we had him on again. Like, we we did a whole... In hindsight, obviously, it's quite embarrassing, and I, I don't like that in any way. Um, but that's our obsession with celebrity is that like somebody today, because Bill Cosby's out of jail, if they bumped into Bill Cosby, somebody would take a selfie with him because we just have, it's creepy, our obsession with celebrity in this country. It's, we have a problem. There is no good or bad anymore. It's just famous. Like you're famous or you're not. That's all we have. It's why Marlin's man was a thing or that creep that catches the home runs was a thing. No, he's got no skills. There's nothing oh. he does. He just puts on a shirt and sits at baseball games. He has nothing to offer society. He was, I mean, he was at like the NBA Finals. Yes, I think. that's not a thing. Like, so was a million other people. I thought Marlon Man, Marlon Man is innocent. Of course, you're interested. Uh, I mean, I'm not like I'm not saying he's a know. terrible, wretched human being. It's just that he doesn't. It was kind of cool. No, no, he's not. Was, that's the he, he had the bright God. orange jersey. You are the problem. Griffin Marlins were bad. Griffin and then bumped into O.J. Simpson. Yeah, and he, uh, yeah so I had a layover, layover in Vegas. and There he was, just at I the airport lounge bar. I was hoping you had a better story than that. Um, did, you, did you have to stop yourself? Like, Was there a part of you that's like, I should go over and try to I get... Kind of, yes. And I was like, <sighs> I was just like so kind of... I just didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my God. The, I, like, this I blame your generation for. We used to understand good versus bad. I don't blame you personally for it. But like the obsession with the celebrity boxers who have nothing to offer society. Like Logan Paul has nothing. That he's, not, he's not good at something. There's nothing he's good at. He's just a guy that we anointed as famous, so it didn't matter that he wasn't good at anything. Well, he, okay. Yeah, he doesn't. He he's is not, famous. 
Correct. He's famous, but we anointed him as famous. He didn't do something in order to earn he, that fame. He w- didn't have a talent. He didn't offer something to society. He was just a guy. He did work hard to. I, I guess. I had to pump out videos and. Sh- that's very. Yeah, you're right. And, My God, and, all of the hard work he had doing I pumping mean, out videos. It'd be like me talking about how hard I work. For Christ's sakes. Ah, you just, too. Yeah. Could be like Jake yeah. Paul. Yeah. Nope. I'm good. Who do you want to box? Thank you. No one. We'll figure it out. No interest. I I blame you guys for this. The 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 good versus e, the good and bad is gone. It's just fame or not it, famous or not famous. That's all we have left in this society. Anyway, I'm sorry. I I got way off yeah. the point. Um. Yeah. I guess I really didn't see anyone else. I mean, yeah. Just that thing. I mean, that was a a way. What a way for me to kick off. I guess my uh my trip. Just because I was like I I, I I didn't see him at first. Like I was texting my mom. Just like yeah, safe flight landed. Um. Just hanging out at the, the at the bar lounge right now. And I look up and I'm like. That's that that can't be. That cannot be. And then like his phone rang, and like I was you know waiting to kind of hear his the voice. The airport is always the great equalizer for everything because it's the place where even people. And I, I don't want. I'm not talking about OJ Simpson. Okay. But even people that are truly famous for real reasons have to meet you on your level to some extent. Like they might be able to hang out in the airport lounge. But there are still some great unwashed that find their way into the airport lounge, too. Like, I've been in airport lounges, and trust me, I am of the great unwashed. There is nothing. I don't know how to explain it. There is no feeling like taking a shower at an airport. I, I, I remember the first time I was ever in an airport lounge, because I didn't even know what these things were. I'm like, what, what is this? Maybe I'm overselling it, because it wasn't a lounge. It was just the bar. I, I understand guess. that. I'm not and talking, I, okay. I'm talking okay. about the experience. Like, e- I go, the first time I ever went into an airport lounge, I swear to God, I'm like, the food is, is pretty good. And so I'm eating all this food. It's only and I'm 25 just bucks. Fat and happy. I'm like, what a what a day this is. And then uh, I'm like looking around. I got these TVs. I'm like, that's cool. And there's magazines everywhere. I'm like, this is all right. Like this is way better than sitting out there with the with the the normies. Like this is wonderful. And then I walk into the bathroom, and there's like it's like a lo- half a locker room. There's like a shower and everything. And I said, I want to take a shower. And I remember my now wife at the time girlfriend being like. Why? And I said, because being in an airport is gross and sucks. Is. There is nothing is. more miserable that we do in the world than the experience of going to an airport. And I like, I, I have a thing about, you know, like being in the shower and just sort of, I perennially take too long of showers because I just like the feeling mm. of sitting does. there and having the water. I don't have, I don't know hot tub. If I had a hot tub, this wouldn't be an issue. I could just get in my hot tub. But I don't have one. So this is the only thing I have in my life. And so I said, I just want to get in the shower and feel peaceful and relaxed in this chaotic environment. She was like, okay, that can make sense. And I'm telling you, man, an airport shower hits unlike anything else I've ever experienced in my life. Like the dichotomy between your typical experience of flying versus that, oh boy, I can't compare it. But again, if I'm able to get into the airport lounge, that even the famous people that are like, well, I'll just hide out in the airport lounge, Eh, there's still people in there too. It bring it forces them to our level. They they can't separate now. If they're you know so wealthy that they have private jets, that's mm. a different conversation. All that being said, <clears throat> the airport I feel like is the place where people have their biggest celebrity encounters. Just because you never know. And I, it's funny because now I'm going to say who I I know I've encountered a billion celebrities over the years. I'm certain that I was in an airport with Mike Tyson at one point. Um. God, I can't remember some of them. Some of them are more random for me, like just people. 
it, it, the the funny times that I bumped into people that I'm friends with just at an airport. I remember being at an airport. So both Dom Foxworth and I, who's a friend, like Dom's mm-hmm. a friend. We were flying to Indianapolis for the combine, but it made sense that I was going to the combine. He was an active NFL player. I did not know why he was going to Indianapolis for the combine. He was doing some business of some sort. And then I remember there was this awkward moment where I get on the plane and I, because he's flying Southwest, I get on the plane and I go to the, the, the window seat as I am wont to do. And there's a seat open next to me and he walks right up and he looks at it and he's like, nah, chief. And I was kind of hurt for a second, like, because I thought we were friends, right? Yeah. We are friends. He was like, and then I remember seeing afterwards, because he, then he, we get off the plane and he's like, dude, do you want to get a car, a cab together or whatever? Do you want to, you know, we'll, we'll ride together into the city. And I was like, okay. And I was like, and he looked at me and he could tell. So he kind of turned you down. He was like, he was like, you wanted me to sit next to you. And I was like, kind of. And he was like, <laughs> dude, I'm not sitting in a middle seat on an airplane. That's not happening. <laughs> like, if you had said, I'll sit in the middle seat, you can sit at the window, I would have sat next to you. <laughs> I'm not sitting in the middle seat on an airplane. I was like, all right, I guess that does that make is sense. Good. It did That's take fine. some of the sting yeah. out of it at that point. Um, all right, so no other Yeah, sadly, that was the only. I mean, yes, you know, Tawny Pitch. Seeing Freddie Freeman hit a, cool. hit, Freddie Freeman hit a big double at Dodger Stadium. Okay, uh, that was that was very what fun. The I didn't remember they played the Nats Monday night. Okay, right. um, that was a, that was that was the quickest game I've been to in person. Really? It was like two oh five. I was. It, it did you get a Dodger by. dog? I did get a Dodger dog. It's just yeah. a hot dog. Yeah, it's just it's, a hot dog. It is just a hot just dog. not a thing. Like they yeah. they make it seem like it's some sort of thing. It's not a it's, thing. It, it's it really isn't. It really That's all it is. It is just a hot dog. It's fine. My friend, my friend, uh, my friend who lives out there, he got two Dodger dogs. Okay, I mean, like, but they're just <laughs> hot dogs still. Like, even if you get two of them, they're still just two hot dogs. It's not a thing. It's so funny how they talk about it. Like, you gotta have a Dodger dog. He was very excited to get his Dodger dog. I was like, and then hey, we were kind of like, yeah. I mean, is it gonna save me from my sins? Like, I don't understand. Throw some ketchup on it. It's a hot dog. It yes, correct. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Is there anything in Anaheim that people care about? Uh, I mean, other than Disneyland. Uh, no, I mean, like at the stadium. Is there any like food? The, or? the fountain was very cool. I did like the fountain. Okay. In center field, I mean, okay. it was cool. We saw we you know you it's can go up right right to the back you can't, side. Of you it. can't <laughs> jump into it though. Like um, you're just seeing a fountain. I can go to my local mall and see a fountain. They uh, they did a fireworks show. So it was Saturday night, so they okay. did a fireworks show after. That was nice. Okay. Um, they jump right in it, so it's kind of like you know Camden Yards. They have to do it like in that little center field batter's eye area. Right. So they got to clear people out, kind of. They were able to just jump right into it because they did it like in the parking lot in like outside center okay. field. So it was kind of a quicker transition okay. into the fireworks. <laughs> um, otherwise, the yeah, like there was no. They do a cookie bucket. It's thirty dollars. Thirty dollars at Angel Stadium. It it smelled delicious. But it's a bucket else. of cookies. It's a bucket of cookies. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love cookies. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like, I mean, I saw everyone with it. I was like, how man, many cookies are in the bucket? Probably like twenty. I would say. Like, right, well, then maybe maybe it's not a rip off. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, but for two guys, it was like, yeah, we're not getting a not, bucket of cookies. Twenty cookies. That's not necessary. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, All right, let's get into Would You yeah. Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Birdland Sports, where right now they got a cool new Kyle Bradish T-shirt available. Uh, you can check that out right now. Birdlandsports.com. Uh, they tell me they're not planning on doing an Aaron Hicks shirt. Yeah, you say that now. Can't wait till next week. And he's got six huge hits this weekend in San Francisco. And they got an Aaron Hits shirt. See what Aaron I just hits. did there? Yeah. I got that. Yeah, that is gonna be that is gonna be huge. Yeah, right. Him getting especially when he gets hits off righties in San Francisco. That would be big, wouldn't it? That would be big. 
All right. Um, so, yes, there you go. Uh, you can find that out. Uh, go check that out right now at birdlandsports.com. Or you could win it just by participating in Would You Rather Wednesday today. Would you rather number one, Baseball Genie offers you. I love Baseball Genie. I do love a good Baseball Genie. Offers you a guarantee that the Orioles will make the wild card series this year. But once they get there, they're going to wear their City Connect jerseys. So this means we can't win the division, I guess. Or... Well, this is up to you. Or, no, those jerseys are cursed. We're just going to have to take our chances that they make it anyway. Uh, yeah, the jerseys are pretty cursed, so I think we'll take our chances. I mean, this is a tough <laughs> one we'll for take me because this also goes into the existential conversation. <laughs> Nobody's brought it up yet, but this is always the existential conversation of, like, if you know they're going to make it, then it's not as much fun to watch them make mm. it because you're like, man, none of this matters. I already know. Yeah, baseball genie told me. Right? Yeah. And so that's what I, I hate that part of it. I hate. Like, somehow we have to add into the idea that you're also going to get men in blacked. So, like, you don't know, so you can still enjoy it as the, the ride. Because I, it is a tough thing. Like, knowing the other scenario is you might not make the playoffs at all. Like, it just might not happen. So, we can say, yeah, the jerseys are cursed, and we don't think they're going to win. But we, I mean, we know that's not actually true. It's well, just, well. I hear you. I hear you. How much did you talk about it yesterday? That I, I wish they had done. I talked about it on the radio this uh, weekend. I wish they had done the rainbow like they did with like the socks, like right where that went up to the knee, mm-hmm. um, like as the belt. They should have done a rainbow belt. No, I, I actually thought the would... white belt was only the, like the white it was belt? one of the few redeemable parts really? of it. I, look, man, I, <laughs> I didn't like them to begin with. I just said all I care about is that you win. The fact that they didn't win means yeah. I hate them. <laughs> Now again, if they were yeah, great and exactly. they lost, I was I kind of indifferent, them. and then yeah. I, and then I saw the white belt. I yep. didn't love the white belt, and they they, I put, also they hate, played like dude. I hate anyone, any of you hipsters that are over the state flag. All of you that think you're so cool, like you're you're so edgy, because you're like, oh man, the state flag is played out. Get the entire f out of here. It's the same thing I said. Mila Kunis was on my television every day, and you know what? I never got sick of seeing Mila Kunis. Shut up. You think you're so smart, you think you're so edgy, and you're hip. You're not. The state flag rules. Put it on everything. Shut up. Just shut up. You're dumb. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, uh, this one, I don't know. I, I feel like it's it's a little bit odd, the, the response that we've got to this one, because... Because people should be out on the uniform. Y- yeah, and I think for the most part they are. Um, your boy, uh, PFF Sean. I don't know. The jerseys look fine. Give me the wild card. I, it's not about what they look like. It's about the fact that they lost the two games. <laughs> they literally went zero for two, coming off he's not a, a, winning five of six against. He's the, not a very superstitious guy, I guess. I, I guess that's your guy. I don't. I don't know about him. <laughs> Orioles idiot. The jerseys are cursed, and we're still two and a half games up right now. Depends on whether Elias is wheeling deal. I'll take our chances. Is the point. That's what two and a half up on the wild card. Having a, yeah, okay. a wild card spot. Um, let's keep moving because it is ten fifty one. Would you rather the Ravens indeed sign DeAndre Hopkins today, or go fully and and go fully all in on offense, or they focus on what they have at receiver and save their cap space for any veteran cornerback that might become available after June first or before the start of the season? Hmm. I mean. As fun as DeAndre Hopkins would be with mm-hmm. Odell and Bateman and and I guess we can throw Duvernay, Mark Andrews in there. Uh, you like, didn't mention Zay Flowers. Oh, and Zay Flowers, <laughs> yes, yeah, that that's guy. pretty significant. He is a good guy too. Yeah, I mean we. Well, I don't know. We don't. I haven't decided if he's a good guy or not. Yeah, the track record suggests maybe not so much. Um, we don't need. I. I we don't. I mean, we could always use another DeAndre. Anyone can use a Hopkins-like player. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we do need more corner and we do need even edge or something like I think it's. No, I just said specifically corner. Specifically. I didn't. I didn't say still even that. I, I we need more corner. So I think the smart decision is to say that. Although I would not be mad if they announced DeAndre Hopkins as a Raven. So that's what it's so <laughs> funny that like that's sort of what my column ended up being at pressboxonline.com. Like I think I'm opposed to it, but I guess I'm not opposed. I have no idea. And the the headline read that I'm leaning yes, and like I guess I am, but it's very much in a vacuum. Like I didn't write the headline, and I was like, did I say I was leaning yes? Like maybe I did. <laughs> I, like in a vacuum, I'm saying yes. I do think that the juxtaposition is, you know, like yes, but you do have a more pressing need at corner. But the question becomes, what actually is going to be available at at corner? Like, there's a Deion. I don't think there's going to be a DeAndre Hopkins caliber corner that's going to become available between now and the start of the season. Now, you know, are you the team that's like the Eagles and you go, you know, remember the Eagles in the build up? Was it, it was August where they pulled off the Chauncey Gardner Johnson yeah. trade? or C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade a year ago. So, like, if that is an option, it's good to have the cap space, even if it's going to cost you a draft pick as well to pull off the trade. Like, I'm inclined. Or if you need the cap space for, say, a midseason trade for a cornerback, that maybe you can't do a cornerback trade now, but, like, a Marcus Peters becomes available in the middle of the season, and you need to make sure that you have the cap space to soak that up for the rest of the year. I think I might be more inclined to hold on to the cap and wait, space. And wait for and what, see, Yeah, even if it means week seven that we right? don't get that corner. Because it's easy but. for me to say, that guy's not available right now. That guy's not going to be available post-June 1st or from training camp cuts. Like, that's trash. No offense. It might be somebody that you can help be a helpful piece. And I'm not saying you shouldn't still sign one or two of those guys. But the idea of a trade that could still happen, you know, if it's as bad as we think it's going to be at cornerback, I do have to leave the cap space for that. So I'm talking myself into it. Uh, would you rather number three? Uh, same baseball genie. Guarantees that Cedric Mullins is back in two weeks, or he's going to be out for the year, but... Oh, my God. But Colton Cowser's here in two weeks and is so good this season that he finishes top five in Rookie of the Year voting despite missing the first two months of the season. Is it top three that we get, like, another pick or something? Uh, is that the... Yeah. Top three sounds right. Yeah, so if we have Gunner and well, I guess Gunner is not playing like the top three rookie, but yeah, not right now. Um, Still a lot of time. If you said top three, I might be, and, yeah. and that draft pick thing is is yeah, true. Right. Uh, then I might be leaning that, but I don't want to lose Mullins for the year. All I can't. Right. I can't lose Mullins for the year. So All I'm right. taking Cedric Mullins to be back in two weeks. Uh, uh, so where are you? You don't watch Succession, correct? Unfortunately, I do not. Oh. Idiot. Yeah, I guess so. Idiot. I do watch Ted Lasso. Uh, okay, so would you rather? Did you watch last night yet? Uh, the, like the new one, the the final one. No, the I one did not came watch out the final one. Like, my plan, yeah. legitimately, last night at ten o'clock, I was like, I'm gonna stay up. I'm gonna watch it at midnight, and then at eleven thirty, I was doing one of these. <laughs> so I was like, Nope, I'm gonna watch it tomorrow night. And the Orioles play in the afternoon today, Sounds so good. so we can do a full segment on it tomorrow. Well, I don't know. Is Drew coming in tomorrow? Uh, I'll have to, I guess I'll have to talk to him. And we had talked about that because okay. remember I told him he wasn't allowed in. Unless oh, because he, he watched was, Ted Lasso. He said he wasn't going to watch it. But then he told me over the weekend he's got to go up to, like, Pittsburgh or something today. So oh. I don't know if he's going to have time. And, like, i got to stick my guns. P- Pittsburgh's a good day trip. I'm oh. not going to have him in here to not <laughs> talk about Ted Lasso. Like, to be like, oh, dude, you can't talk about it. It's one of the few things he offers. He doesn't <laughs> offer much. And nobody cares about the golf tournament this weekend or the one that was last week. There's nothing to talk about in that capacity. So he's going to have to talk about Ted Lasso or we can't have him in. I'm sorry. It's just the re- we we warned him that last week. We said, if you want to come in on Thursday when we don't need you, that's fine. But you have to be able to talk about Ted Lasso or you can't come in. And he's going to have had a full – he could have done it last night at midnight. Mm-hmm. On his drive up to 
Pittsburgh? I, I mean, if he's driving, probably okay. not smart for – probably not a good idea. <coughs> All right. Um, anyway, so would you rather – even if you haven't watched last night, it's pretty obvious if you watched mm-hmm. last week's yeah. episode yeah, it where it was heading. Would you rather they continue with another season next year of AFC Richmond – Without Ted Lasso, and I've told you all season who the coach was going to be, but I don't know that because I didn't watch last night, mm-hmm. so I'll let you feel however you want to feel about it. Would you rather they continue the show post-Ted or this is a good time to end it? So we're saying no Ted no matter no matter what happens this in this scenario. I guess maybe he could make okay. a cameo at some point, but the show, like- the show would no longer be Ted Lasso. It would be called Richmond or whatever, and he would not be part of the show. I would like to see it keep going, and I mean, it wasn't even. I mean, obviously, Jason Sudeikis has he, it is his show, and he's done great. But Phil Dunster had an like as Jamie Tart in last week's episode sure. was unbelievable, and I think they can they like there's still more story to be told between Roy. I mean, we don't know what happens, I guess, tonight, but or today, whatever, uh, between Roy and Keeley. But you know, I think they can keep going and and continue Roy's story as a coach and, and his post playing career, and then we'll see what happens with uh, with Nathan Shelley. And uh, you know what's happening with Nathan Shelley. I mean, I've told you that a billion times. I, I haven't even seen the finale, and I know what happens with and Nathan Shelley. And Rebecca's character still is always interesting. I think. I think. I think they can continue. Going. I mean, and I would still be interested. I'm in a weird spot. I love sports shows. I hear you. Yeah. I think the argument can be made that it separates what was the biggest problem, which was them still trying to suggest that, despite being the manager of a football team for three years, that Ted Lasso still knew nothing about football. Which was a huge plot problem this season. Like, it really was, and nobody wants to talk about it. But, like, the idea that he didn't know who Zava was, like, any, this is ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Now, the other ridiculous part is how they treated Nate after, like, him, the idea that he was sacked by West Ham and just going to work at a restaurant. That's his girlfriend over there. I, it's absurd. It's beyond absurd. Like, it stretches past even where a unrealistic show to say, well, the premise was absurd to begin with. Right, but the, well, it, the premise was presented as absurd. It was presented as major league. We're trying... I, I, I'm, I'm not hiring someone to win. I'm hiring someone to... To, 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 to run this club into the ground. Yeah. To spit in the face of my ex-husband. This is not presented as absurd. This is presented as like legitimately how things might go. So there have been some serious plot problems this season that way, beyond whatever yeah. anybody else's opinion <laughs> is of some of the stories they've told during the course of the season. I, I The funny thing is, like, but I would definitely watch, but I would be inclined to say, I think we're good here. I, I think there is... N- I don't think I want to see the whatever they think the next step is. I just don't know that I'm, I'm really here for that. Mm. Um... And and to the point, I would almost be more inclined to watch just a Roy Kent show kind of away from Richmond. If they did that, a spinoff about Roy Kent, like a, even a backstory yeah, on Roy like a Kent, prequel. like something like that, I think I'd be more inclined to watch that. I think I'm good on the Richmond story. I think I'm I'm okay with that. I don't think there's a whole lot more there on the bones. So I think I'm out on that. Okay. Um, I I think I'd be in. I I don't know. I like TV. I'll give I'll, I'll give it a shot, even if it stinks. Well, of but, course I'm gonna I, like. I'm not saying I wouldn't. Yeah, wa- yeah. Of course I would watch. But I would say if it's my choice, I would say we're good. My choice go, more. Go more funny go, British go, people. Go. 
some of them. Some of them. Uh, there was the really good one, the, the little kid said, Jamie, fart. Yes, that was very good. You're not wrong about that. All right, continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Someone's going to win a shirt of their choice from BirdlandSports.com just for participating today in Would You Rather Wednesday. Our number one of today's show is in the books. If you've not signed up yet, we're giving away an awesome prize. We are giving away four tickets to all of the area's minor league baseball teams. Plus, plus, on top of that, you can get an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. You got to go right now to pressboxonline.com slash contest. That's the only way to get in. Pressboxonline.com slash contests. Sign some other people up. Tell your wife, your girlfriend, your husband, your boyfriend, all of the above. Kids in your house, tell all of them. Sign up. Pressboxonline.com slash contest. Remember, you must be 18 or older in order to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Again, pressboxonline.com slash contests is how you get signed up. Cool? Cool. All right, coming up a little bit later on this hour, we're going to head to Norfolk, talk to one of the Orioles' top prospects, Connor Norby. Plus, we're going to check in with uh, Stephanie Epstein from SI, who, as I mentioned earlier, wrote a really interesting story about how the Orioles have put together this really dominant bullpen. It's um, fascinating. And it's a really good read. Yesterday, the Orioles made it official, placing Cedric Mullins on the 10-day injured list with a strained right groin. The hope, according to Mike Elias, is that it's weeks, not months, said leaning more towards a grade two strain. Now, what does all of that mean? The man who answers those questions for us, of course, former Chargers team doctor, you follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. You see him and hear him just about everywhere. His website, SICscore.com. He is Dr. David Chow, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Doc, it's Glenn. Uh, I say it's always good to talk to you, but as I always say to you, you know that's not actually true because it means something has gone wrong. But I sure appreciate you taking the time for us as always. No problem, but I would argue that's your timing. You only call me when there's It's true. Bad. I never call you to say, everybody's healthy. Let's be happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so take me through, Doc, a, a strained groin. I think a lot of us have experienced um, this type of thing before, but certainly not uh, at the level of a professional athlete. And if it is a grade two strain or leans towards a grade two strain, what would that reality be for Cedric Mullins and the Orioles? Well, it depends on the details, and I think the good news is by video and how it happened, this is not going to be a groin slash core muscle injury that needs surgery. So at least there is good news there. But a grade two strain is likely what we call the adductor muscle strain is probably going to have him out, especially the type of player that he is, speedy player, et cetera longer certainly than the 10-day IL. So, again, when Michael Elias says weeks, not months, does that sound right? Yeah, obviously that's very general. Um, weeks, the question is how many weeks? I mean, a good news scenario is 
you know, he goes beyond 10 days and he's back well ahead of 60 day mm-hmm. uh, IL. A bad case scenario would be 60 day and it's not going to end this season. I, I guess that's the good news. But you have to also take into account, as I said, the type of player that he is. He relies on a lot of speed and that's sort of the issue. I agree. And is that the type of thing where you'd say, you know, maybe a player could come back from this injury, but they would be limited and you wouldn't want Cedric Mullins to be limited in his return from this type of groin, uh, a groin strain? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm in San Diego, so I don't get to see Cedric Mullins a ton, but obviously the the way he, he plays defense and runs the bases and, and it's really part of his game. He's not, you know, his speed is really part of his game. So I think that's the difficulty here uh, in this situation. He is Dr. David Chow, and he is with us here on GCR talking about Cedric Mullins. So I I remember seeing a couple days ago, and I can't remember who tweeted out, but there being an ideal timeline per grade. Can you explain when we say grade 2 strain versus, say, a grade 1 or a grade 3 strain, what that actually means, Doc? Well, a, uh, a strain is a form of a tear, okay? And it's not a tear in two pieces. That might be a severe strain in grade three, but this is at least a partial tear. There's injury to the groin muscle slash tendon, and that's the bad news, and that requires some healing. I would not be surprised if you later on heard that he got some sort of injection, PRP or otherwise, and, uh, you know, at this point, a good case scenario is he's back sometime in the month of June, admittedly later June. A bad case scenario is obviously much beyond that. Uh, but there is a tear involved here, and a groin is very important for uh, acceleration and also, you know, leadoff stealing and, and playing in, in the outfield. Uh, in order to cover ground. And so there is a tear involved. The good news is no surgery will be needed. And you could overly simplistically say mild, moderate, severe for grades one, two, and three. Okay. But I'm not in love with cookie-cutter analysis. Grade two is, boom, this amount of time. Grade three is this amount of time. You know, first of all, it's not like the muscle says, oh, uh, grade one, so it's, not all grade ones are the same. Not all grade twos are the same, right? You're just putting it in a category. And uh, what we do at Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com, with former uh, team positions, look, I've got more experience in football, but I've worked with the Cubs and I've worked with the Minnesota Twins before as well. It's player-specific in terms of the type of player, the handedness, the, the what he can and cannot do, and obviously recovery is not a light switch. Let's say we said it was four weeks for this injury. It's not like three weeks and six days you yep. can't do anything, and magically at the four-week mark, he's 100%, right? It's all gradual. Recovery is more of a, you know, a, a, a slow sunrise than a light switch. I, I feel like there's a part of what you're saying that that, that is almost concerning to me, which is, is there a scenario where it is it's actually worse or it takes longer and this is far more significant than just a one month scenario. 
Well, there is that scenario that's possible, and I'm not trying to spread doom and gloom. No, I Remember, understand. I let off with, I don't think <laughs> this is surgery. Right. But, you know, uh, if it's a grade 2.4, but it's it's uh, classified as a grade 2, that probably is longer, and also factoring in as a type of player. But as the team, we'll have to look at, there's going to be uh, calculations for the chances of effectiveness when he returns, but also re-aggravation, right? I mean, the last thing you want to do is, bring him back uh, a few days or a week too early and have him aggravated. And now he's out an additional month or six weeks, right? So there's a little bit of a game. I always say uh, sports medicine at the highest levels, you know, this Memorial Day uh, recently, the Indy 500 is driving an Indy car. Hmm. All of us can go pedal to the metal on the straightaway right. and go 200 miles an hour and right. hold, the, hold the steering wheel straight. Right. And all of us, can not crash in a turn by just going slowly, right? You can get around the track. The key is when you're going 200 plus miles an hour on the straightaway to know when the wall is coming to slow down when the turn is coming. And the key is when you're in the turn, which is, you know, when you're injured or something's not hundred percent and you're cautious when that turn is about to end. So you can hit the gas pedal and go and get out of it, get out of the turn quickly. Now, you get out of the turn too quickly and you're up against the spit out and hit the wall. If you're too slow, you lose the race. So that's the trick here in analyzing what he has, and that will be up to the athletic trainers and the team positions. And that's the specialty of sports medicine at the highest levels that's different than the doctors that you see or the doctors that I might have, might see. SICscore.com, again, is the website. Dr. David Chow with us here on GCR. My last one for you about Cedric Mullins, Doc. Um, it comes at a, you know, it's just an awful time for him as he was having an incredible start to the season. And, you know, given he's an interesting spot because he's two years away from free agency, I thought there was a strong argument for the Orioles to go ahead and try to lock him up now and get him out of those final arbitration years and do a five, six year deal. It, there's nothing about this that would suggest it's something that's going to impact him long term, correct? Uh,. From afar, from what I've seen, barring a lot of additional information, yeah, that's enough disclaimers. No, I don't have that immediate worry that this is something long-term. This is something related to what happens on occasion to speed guys. And, you know, whether you lock them up or at what amount, I mean, that's well above my pay grade. Right. Uh, you know, I used to give the medical decisions, but, you know, in terms of the numbers and, and what makes sense, that's not me. And, and that leads into my question for you. Obviously, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's resigned. He's yes. with the Ravens. Yes. From afar, from afar when he wasn't signed and at the end of last season, I seem to hear a lot of grumbling that, quote, he's always hurt, which I'm not a fan of. Yep. But, you know, he didn't finish the last two seasons. And, uh, you know, I felt like he could be uh, at least – attempting to be on the field, even though I was first to say he had a significant PCL and I excused him for all of the regular season absences at the end of the season. But I felt like he could try and do something, although not be Lamar Jackson running around. I felt like he could do something in the playoffs, yet he didn't play. Uh, have Baltimore fans forgiven him? Is it all good now, or um, are there still yeah for the rumbling? for the most part yes because every, it it all feels good right now right Doc but yeah I mean the week before they signed him you definitely were still hearing all of that right you know fans are fans right like 
when when it feels like everybody's happy, then I'm not. Why be the guy that pisses in the water, right? Like, um, I, the week before they signed Lamar Jackson, you're a thousand percent right. There were still lots of people that were like, you know, this guy wants a billion dollars and can't even finish a season. The moment that he's that he signed, it's well, he's an MVP quarterback, right? Like, if he's going to be the guy, let's make peace with it and go from there. Um, I, your feeling was shared by some, I think, even by some within the building that we're hoping that he would simply choose to do certain things. Now, publicly, the Ravens have been very defensive of Lamar, but, you know, I can tell you that there were people that were within the building that thought it would be the exact same thing, that thought that, hey, we get it, there's no reason for you to be doing this in the regular season, but we get to the playoffs, you know, e- even if you're not right, we need you out there. Um, and the argument that could be made, given how competitive they were, that even a Lamar Jackson that wasn't right could have won a playoff game. I don't know. I, I mean, it's a tough spot for me, Doc, because I, I think that might be a reflection of, hey, if you had given me the stability that I was looking for monetarily, then maybe I would be out there. But if I'm out there risking something and doing this, I don't know if I want to do it for a team that I'm not sure is going to pay me the money that, that I think that I'm worth. So I think it's a complicated conversation in that circumstance. Like I, I think anybody who suggests that Lamar was faking it or wasn't actually hurt, that's nonsense. Um, but I do think there's a reasonable question as to whether or not he would have been humanly capable of finding a way to play in a playoff game. Well, it, look, I was very on his side. And, and look, your head coach has a certain style, right? And mm-hmm. and I'm not negative on Coach John Harbaugh. He's been great. But it's part of his job, coach speak, right? And I think he inadvertently puts pressure on some players by playing that game of, well, he's looking better this week. We'll see what happens Wednesday. I think he's got a chance, and then ruling it about on Friday. When you do that four weeks in a row, there's, it creates an impression that the player may not be wanting to come back when the reality was that first week there wasn't even a chance. The second week there wasn't even a chance. Right. It was the coach speaking. And I'm not uh, saying that Harbaugh shouldn't do this or that he's even lying. He's doing his job as the head coach, playing this game, you know, in terms of injuries. And so uh, certainly uh, that's a good thing for, for Baltimore and the Ravens for him to do that. But it's sometimes, like when I've run into players being the Super Bowl or otherwise that I don't really know and I introduce myself, when they figure out who I am, I always say, yeah, boy, do you hate me? Because, you know, I kind of say stuff about injuries. And uniformly people say, no, we really like it because uh, uh, I can't tell that to the public what my real injury is. For example, at, at Super Bowl, Mitchell Schwartz, right, talked with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. met him, and I said, no, your brother. So I did, he goes, I know who you are. He goes, do you hate what I say about your knee? And some of the no, I actually love it. Look, I can't say anything of being part of the team. I have right. to go with the team to say, and sometimes it makes me look bad to the fans that I'm dogging it, but yeah. that's part of the game. But where you come out and tell the truth about I'm not going to be ready for four weeks or six weeks or or what have you. My issue with Lamar is I know that he had a PCL. We wrote about it. We talked about it in-game when it happened, when he went down on his knee in the backfield, and he made a video saying that this is a PCL and uh, moderate grade. I don't think he was anywhere close to 100% during the playoffs. But could he have played? The answer is yes. Now, would he be Lamar Jackson and be that run-pass threat? Probably not. Could he have been a pocket quarterback? I'm almost certain of it, as certain as I can be without having examined him. And so to that end, how much was the contract coming into play? How much was it like 
is this an admission that a pocket Lamar is not effective? Right. I don't know. Right. But those are the questions uh, that, uh, that could be asked out of this. But I'm glad to hear all is forgiven. And I w- would love to end on an exciting piece of news. I'm actually optimistic on a good season from Odell Beckham Jr. Ooh, I was actually, that was what I, wanted have, to, I did want to get to him with you. What should we be watching? Like, it's it's odd to me that he wasn't able to get on the field last year. Like, when it seemed like the Cowboys were going to be able to sign him. What should we be watching for early on to know that Odell Beckham is at least capable of being the guy that maybe we saw with the Rams, who was obviously a huge part of them winning a Super Bowl? Well, you know, in the season he got traded to the Rams – at Sports Series Central, we actually dogged him that season in the early part of the season, saying no way that he could be ready or 100% based on timing and based on looking at videos that he posted about how he was running and how he was cutting and how he was doing. I even had a Twitter exchange with him on it, and he admitted that, yeah, he's running well, but cutting and deceleration are not there yet, and that's the most important thing, and that's what I was saying. Now, we thought that late in the season he would indeed do better, so was it really the trade to the Rams that made him do better, or was it the timing of late season that made him do better, right? Was it the system and the new quarterback and the Rams, or just timing? And I, an argument could be made for timing. Now, yes, this was his second ACL tear on the same knee that we talked about in the Super Bowl in the first half. Now, remember, he now has had 18 months plus right. to recover from that ACL. Right. Now, he didn't sign with the Cowboys. He didn't sign this, that, the other. It could have been a money thing. It could have been, well, he doesn't know our system. And it could have been, okay, he's 90%. But, look, I'm actually optimistic that he can be relatively healthy this year um, in terms of his knee. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Lamar and him. But, you know, at least I get in a, a note of optimism. I love that. Get I love that. We do too much. We do too much negative with you over the years. Remind Doc. Remind everybody about SIC Score. Sports Injury Central SICScore.com. We're the only place that gives true injury analysis as opposed to injury reporting. I respect all the reporters around Baltimore, but they're reporting what Coach Harbaugh says. We give analysis based on video, real game, in in game. And you can sign up there for a free newsletter that'll or go to the website. But also, as football season rolls around, and even for basketball season, we have individual sick scores or health scores on players in a given week. What can you expect out of them in terms of health? And you can turn on notifications to help set your fantasy lineup. But we also even have team sick scores. And quite honestly, obviously, absent that you know horrific 99-yard return for a touchdown in that playoff game, uh, the Ravens likely were poised to win that game. And part of the reason is we noted all the cluster injuries on the Bengals' offensive line in terms of uh, three-fifths of their offensive line was injured, and I think it was showing. And and obviously uh, that one play, uh, I just saw it on a highlight recently, and and maybe this will put me in good graces with fans uh, in Baltimore, but uh, not throwing the flag on that, on Mark Andrews on the block of the back. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, all right. All right. They still might have scored, but they. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. Uh, at ProFootballDoc on Twitter is how you follow him. Doc, always appreciate it, man. Great stuff. Thank you for doing this. Really, really enjoyed it. Enjoy your all summer, right. all right?
All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Dr. David Chow with us here on GCR. When we come back in, Stephanie Abstein from SI. We'll talk about the Orioles and how they built this bullpen. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Hey, Stan the Fan and Ross and Luke took this Monday off because of the holiday, but they'll be back in action next Monday night, 6 o'clock, every Monday night, doing a bit of a, normally it'd be an Orioles pregame, but as I mentioned, the Orioles aren't working Mondays for the foreseeable future, so it'll be more like a reset um, every Monday night, 6 o'clock, Stan the Fan, Charles, former Oriole Ross Grimsley, and Luke Jackson, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video uh, right now at si.com how the orioles bullpen became the most fun in baseball a really good look at what the orioles have built and how they've been able to take the felix batistas the yenier canoes of the world and turn them into you know some of the best relievers in the entire sport joining us now she covers major league baseball for si she's stephanie abstein and she's back with us here on gcr Stephanie, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I, you know, I, I'm fascinated because, obviously, it's, it's, the Cano story is insane, and then it reminds me 
Right, and the Batista story was insane too. Like they've literally done this now back to back years, and it's bonkers what they've been able to get out of it. But I feel like it's a bigger question of like at some point should we start feeling like there really is a special sauce here in Baltimore? And it, it's funny because in the story you reference like, hey, some of these things aren't unique to the Orioles and what they're doing and trying to get guys to focus on their best pitches, things like that. But when do we start to say, hey, maybe this system that they have in Baltimore really is a bit different and they might be able to project this and do this with more guys? Yeah, I mean, I think someone who's never seen a baseball game could suggest, hey, if you do something well, you should do it more often. Right. So we don't have to give them that much credit for that idea, but I think that they identify who is undervalued better than almost anybody else at this moment. They see, because they have decided to focus on basically stuff over command. Mm -hmm. And so they identify who's got the stuff that we can sort of harness. And if we just teach them to throw it basically down the middle, it's so good that hitters can't hit it anyway. And I think almost no one else is doing it with this kind of success. It's pretty cool to watch. It is really cool to watch. I I get the other thing that I struggle with though, like this is where what the Orioles are doing meets what baseball has been for the last 10 to 15 years, like, do we assume that once Felix Batista becomes this guy, once Yanir Cano becomes this guy, that's who they are for the next five to 10 years? In fairness, Jorge Lopez has continued to succeed after leaving Baltimore. Um, Or is this still baseball and like, hey, you know, they're having success right now, but you're going to need to find another Yanir Cano in two years because there's just no guarantee that this is going to continue. That's not how the sport necessarily has worked over the last 20 years. Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere in between. Uh, I don't think we can assume anything for 10 years, but I do think that if you're able to unlock guys who flash talent, that usually means that it exists in them. And if you can unlock it, they can usually, they can often keep that going. Uh, You never know. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but I do think especially in this era when, uh, when the analytics are so good and players are so open to them, you can often... It's pretty, I mean, the, the James McCann, I think, was telling me, you just, like, show them, look how this guy's fastball, look how good this guy's fastball is, your fastball looks like that. Mm-hmm. You can be this good. And the players are like, oh, that sounds great. It's interesting to me because one of the impacts that wasn't referenced in your story, Stephanie, is, like, I feel like we have given Adley Rutschman all of the credit for the Orioles' starting pitching and the way that it turned a year ago and how a group that was at best nondescript on paper became a quality group and is for the most part showing it again this season. Should Adley Rutschman get credit for anything that's happening with this bullpen as well? Yeah. I mean, he's, they, they all like throwing to him. He's a great, he's, he's very talented. He's the cornerstone of this franchise, but I think, you know, there's more than one person involved in, in good performance. And in this case, it's the coaching staff, it's the pitchers themselves. It's uh, the talent evaluators who are finding these guys. I think there's a lot, there's a lot that comes into play with a group like this. I, you know, it's funny. I, I asked, uh, we, we talked to Kyle Gibson uh, like two weeks ago, and we were talking to him about it. And he talked about how even the reputation of what, you know, Holt and Klimek and this group, Darren Holmes were doing was enough that it kind of made a difference for him in making the decision to come to Baltimore. Do you sense that there is recognition throughout the league of this, what what it is that's happening here and this system, and again, if you want to call it like the special sauce of what the Orioles have put together from a pitching standpoint. Yeah, I think people are definitely paying attention. I don't know if it's quite at the level of the Rays where right, right. you I mean you, you sort of don't want to trade with them because if they think that 
if they want your guy, you're like, oh, shoot, we've been underrating him. But I do think there's some sense that this is not this is not just luck on the part of the Orioles. They have figured something out. She is Stephanie Epstein, and she is with us here on GCR. We're going to link this story up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, so that you can check it out. Stephanie, I, I guess the question now becomes, like, so let me let me judge this and what they've done with these relievers and to a lesser extent with this group of starters against the frustration of what we've seen with Grayson Rodriguez, right? Like, how do you explain them getting so much out of guys that we didn't see it from and yet so far not really being able to get anything out of the guy that was the top pitching prospect in baseball? Yeah. Oh. Well, unfortunately, the answer to that is partially just that's how this game works. It doesn't make sense a lot of the time. <laughs> right. But I also think it's, I mean, one thing Chris Holt was telling me is it's, it's e- I mean, it's easier to be a reliever than it is to be a starter, that's right? Fair. And yeah. so you, you can get, you can say to these guys, okay, just your stuff is good, throw it over the middle, and guys can't hit it. You can say that to a reliever who's going to throw 14 pitches and see a hitter once. With a with a starter, there's so much more that goes into it, and because you have to you have to be able to locate, you have to you have to pitch in the moment, knowing that you're going to see this guy one or two more times. And I think that they just I think it's just harder. And he's young, and there's a lot of work that goes into it. I also think that they one thing I remember from covering the Astros back when Michael Elias worked there is that they they said that they found that it was there's almost nothing more disheartening for young players than to lose a game when you were ahead. And so even when they were at their worst, when they knew that they had these young guys coming up, they focused on the bullpen because they thought that that should be a priority, that mm. you don't want to lose a game when you're ahead in the eighth inning. That's really hard for a 22-year-old to stomach. And so that's something they focused on here too. And I think they've put a lot of, you know, they've really emphasized the bullpen. And I think that's part of the answer as well, that this has been a focus for them this year, is we cannot lose games that we are ahead in. Uh, and it by, takes some of the pressure off those starters. And as you pointed out, obviously to great success, right? Like it's it's working mm-hmm. out well. I think it, it's three losses they've had in in these late inning situations, and and it's it's been tremendous. I guess the flip side becomes, you know, for everything they've done well to get to this point, and it's it's overwhelming. In order to take the next step, do they have to start focusing more <laughs> on starting pitching? Because it does seem like that's yeah. the, that's the one thing, right, that really separates the Orioles from fun story neat like it, it really pleasant for us here in baltimore versus viewing them as like a viable legitimate championship contender yeah i would agree with that i think that's that's and it's, it's funny because it's it's funny how quickly it turns right this used to be a team that nobody could be bothered to see because they were so bad right and now they've been fun for like a year basically and uh-huh. everybody's like okay when are they gonna make the playoffs and i think that's great that's what it's supposed to be you're supposed to you know you owe the fans an effort. Uh, but it, I, I think it just takes time. Um, and I would say they've done enough at this point that fans probably should trust them that the next step is coming. So let me, let me go to Stephanie Epstein is with us here on GCR. Is it the time when you say the next step is coming? And I, and I, I think you're right about that. Is it the time for them to start being aggressive? I, and Steph, you know how this has been talked about so much that they believed that they were a year ahead a year ago. And so when they got to the deadline, they were still trading away instead of trading for. But even if they think they're still a year ahead, like at some point, does it require them to acknowledge, and certainly the Cedric Mullins thing is complicates things, but like, does it require them to acknowledge, hey, we've got this unbelievable bullpen. We have so many good things here. 
why wait? Like, is it time to step up and be aggressive this year and try to go land that guy? It is my understanding that they plan to buy at the deadline. Okay. Uh, And I think that's the right, that's pretty clearly the right move. Because even if you do think you're a year ahead, at a certain point, your projections are less relevant than what's actually happening. And as a team like the Cubs can tell you, it doesn't just, you don't just get better every year necessarily. It doesn't always work out the way that you think it's going to. So if you're good right now, I mean, look at the Phillies last year. You can, you can go, you can, you can make it pretty far. Uh, especially with the expanded playoffs, especially with, you know, with these sort of these series that come down to a coin flip at times. I think that that you you have to go for it. And I think the Orioles know that. I'm so glad you brought up the Cubs, Stephanie, because I've brought them up a couple of times where I think we all felt that year, like that was the beginning of their window, right? Like it wasn't even the end of the world. You look, they would have been crushed in Chicago, but I think most of us said, Hey, look, even if they lose in game seven, Dude, they're gonna win World Series. Like, look at this core right. they put together, this nucleus. That they're they're gonna, and it turns out that was their best chance. And I'm not suggesting. Yeah. I, look, Jackson Holiday looks like he is a rock star of rock stars. The Orioles clearly still have more coming. I don't think this will prove to be the Orioles' best chance. But I just, you just never know what your best right. chance was going to end up being, and who's going to end up getting hurt in future years. I just don't think you can waste when you do have something in front of you. I totally agree, and I think that that is a mistake that front offices and general managers make across the game. I think that they get a little too caught up sometimes in what the projections show rather than looking at the chance they have in front of them. Uh, and I, I think the Orioles made that mistake last year, although they did, of course. Some of those sales yeah. now look pretty good. <laughs> you near uh, know, looks like it back. was worth it, right? <laughs> but uh, I do. I think that they are more aligned with the fan base's hopes this year. I think that their projections and whatever the decisions they are making are going to look more like what fans want to see this year. In, in doing that work and that reporting, have you gotten a sense for whether they also think that extending young players is part of it? Because I feel like as much as this fan base wants to see them you know, be aggressive at the trade deadline, acquire players, it still feels like there's this disconnect between the Orioles and like literally every other team in baseball <laughs> where every other team is very quickly, very early giving extensions to young players. And this might not be fair because it just might be that at this point Adley Rutschman is saying, you're either giving me $300 million or I'm not signing because that's the stratosphere I think that I'm in. Um, But do you get a feel at all for whether the Orioles are going to kind of join everybody else in that department at some point and be willing to give money to these young players that you think would be willing to maybe work with you and get a fair deal? It's a good question. I don't, I don't have an answer. I would think, I mean, if you look at sort of the team that Elias came up in, that they, they, that they, they did that to great success, signing young players to extensions. They also did it to some lesser success. They had some players who didn't really work out. Um, I think it depends a lot on ownership's willingness to spend, and I think there's a little bit of, uh, there's not a ton of clarity in, in the ownership situation right now, I think that probably matters. But yeah, yeah. I think if you look at most good teams, they have locked up at least some of their young talent. Yeah, and I think the Orioles can say that. Yeah, the Braves locked up all of it. Obviously, yeah. they got everybody, and I get it. It's tricky, and and so much of it is because we have sensitivities about how the Manny Machado thing played out in Baltimore, right? Like, sure. Watching Adley Rudgeman, it almost feels like Orioles fans are watching. Like, yes, we enjoy this, and this is fun. But we are terrified 
that we're watching someone that's going to be wearing pinstripes in five years. Like we're just, sure. that's the way that it operates. And it'd be nice if that weren't the case. Um, Stephanie, just one more thought, if you could, the, the, how complicated the Cedric Mullins injury maybe makes this moving forward. Right. And the hope for the Orioles is that it's only a couple of weeks and it's not that big of a deal, but this was their best player. Aaron Hicks clearly isn't the answer, right? Like we all know that they're hoping they have internal answers, but do you feel like if this were to linger, it might complicate any of their decisions that they make going towards the deadline? Yeah, I would definitely keep an eye on it because that is an example of why if you're, if you're a very um, sort of dispassionate front office, that's able to remove emotion from it. Mm -hmm. You say, this is how tenuous it is. Is it really worth, you know, making a big gamble here when all it takes is one guy getting hurt to derail everything. You can see why that would make them hesitant. I think that this team is probably good enough to force their hand a little bit, but I, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. That's that I think is the the biggest complicating factor. I, I, you know, if they really, if they don't, if they see it, if they see it as he's going to come back and we're going to be just as we, as good as we were, then I would think they would proceed. But you can see where they, you know. They don't want to. They don't want to mortgage anything. At Steph Epstein on Twitter is how you follow her. And again, we've linked up this story on our Twitter account at Glenn Clark Radio. Stephanie, is there anything else that we can plug for you that you've got going on? Uh, that's. I mean, that's the thing the Baltimore fans I think are going to be most excited about. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. It's a really so neat story. For- I really enjoyed it. I like. I we've been trying to figure out what the special sauce is, so I appreciate you digging in on it a little bit more. Well, thank you. I. Uh, Hope to be covering this team a lot more. They're, they're really fun to be around. They really are. It's been a pleasant time to be here in Baltimore. Steph, thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Sure. Thanks for having me. Stephanie Epstein from um, SI with us here on GCR. And, again, it's, um, you know, it's some of the things they chant, their sort of mantra. I think it's worth checking out this story. And, again, we've linked it up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter for you to take a look at it and would encourage you to do that. All right, today's show is also brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will help improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is here. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. It's time for us to make our weekly trip down to Norfolk, and it's great to have this guy back on the program he is one of the top prospects in the Orioles system. Went one for four last night. He is leading the International League in runs scored. He is Connor Norby, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Connor, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to chat with you, dude. Um, I give me just start with like how you're feeling, right? Like there's been a lot of good this season. The spotlight that has been on you does not appear to be affecting you in much of any way. How confident have you been in making the jumps and continuing to perform and and doing what it is that you wanted to be doing going into the season? Um, I mean, it's it's been good so far. I still feel like I haven't felt completely like myself yet, especially in the batter's box, which is both good and bad in my eyes. It's good because... I feel like there's still something that I'm missing right now that I haven't found yet. Interesting. It's bad because you want to find it as quick as possible, but it's baseball and it's hard. And last year it took me three and a half months to figure, figure it out. 
so I hope it doesn't take me that long this time. But, I mean, it, going to the ballpark every day, and it's easy when you get to play with the talent that you, get to, that you see on the field on a nightly basis. And um, when you're winning a lot, and it, it just makes it more enjoyable. And the, guy, the clubhouse is, um, is great, and the staff is great. And, I mean, it's just been a lot of fun so far through these first 50-whatever games. It's interesting you, you you present it that way, Connor, because like I I think from afar people would say, hey, in in April maybe it was a little bit of a slow start, but it seems like in May, it's really ticked back to exactly where you want to be. I, I I'm kind of befuddled by the idea that like you still think it's not exactly where it is. Like, is it? Can you define that in any way? Like, why you're still not fully happy with everything that you've done? I think I've made good strides over the last probably two weeks. Okay. I think. Um. And getting to where I want to get to, um, and it's just it's a feeling that you get when you're in the box or on the mound, and it's it's the you feel invincible type thing. You feel like you could hit anything, um, any pitch, anywhere. And I had that last year at the end of Bowie, and when I got got up here the uh, last year, and it's just you're kind of finding that feeling again. And um, I still haven't found it, and it gets frustrating. Uh, at times and I've had talks I think with almost every single hitting guy that I know of about how to figure it out and, um, but I've made some good strides over the last couple of weeks to kind of get uh, taking steps in the right direction but I still don't feel like I'm all qu- quite there yet but um, like I said it's both good and bad. It's interesting is this maybe just sort of like the expectations I think a lot of times we talk about the expectations that people have on the outside. And I mentioned like the way that you've had a spotlight on you as a top prospect. And typically when I talk to guys about that, I hear back, yeah, that, that really doesn't register with me because my expectations are even higher than that. Is, is this maybe a reflection of that? Like, yeah, the numbers are okay, but where your expectations are, are just even higher. And what you believe that you should be doing right now is even more significant. I don't look at the stuff really online. Yeah. And, I know what you can get into. I've, I know several guys that they can get into bad he- head spaces by reading what they see online and stuff like that. But I can promise every person out there that no one's expectations are higher than the ones I have set for myself. And yeah. That comes from my dad and him instilling that in, in me. But it's just, I, I have certain goals and that I want to reach. And um, there's mo- most of the night, even I've I've learned I learned at a really young age that you can never you can't ever be satisfied and there's always things you can learn from even from a four for four night or an over four night you can learn from every single night and there's always ways to improve. I I totally understand that man and I appreciate that as a competitor. I I think that every Orioles fan says, dude, we love the sounds of that. Um, and if the, and if this is how you're performing when you think it's a little bit off, my God, what that might be when you're uh, exactly clicking and where you want to be. That's a very exciting thing. Connor Norby is with us here on GCR. Connor, what about defensively? Like, you know, I think a lot of people have talked about your bat over the years. Are you, as it, as it looks more and more, like second base is your spot and, and you know, perhaps for the rest of your life maybe, um, how happy have you been with how your game has continued to come along defensively and sort of nailing down, I am that guy as a second baseman. I I like the people that 
say I can't play defense at a high level. I I enjoy seeing that because it kind of lights the fire a little bit more. Yeah. And I work I work really hard on defense and and when you're around guys like Joey Ortiz and Jordan Westberg every single day and you're working nuts. with those guys, it's, right? It's like I said, it's easy to um, want to get that work in because you want to you see those guys and you want to get to that that status level and um i i love second base and i also like the fact that i do have the ability to go play the outfield right uh, i am starting to uh, we've already seen that i play out there every now and then but i'm starting to play even more and more i just haven't lately just because of the number amount of guys you've had on the roster and we've been kind of we've been kind of thin everywhere but we're starting to get uh, healthy again which which is good um but I'm out and right tonight, so that's I think it's probably my my third or fourth game out in okay. right field. Okay. Branching uh branching out a little bit more than just left field, so that's always good to increase the versatility. But in my eyes, I'm a second baseman, and that's where I want to stay. But I I like having the ability to go to the outfield if needed. Uh, so what you just said is obviously really important. You know, like top down, Michael Elias has just gone on and on and on about the importance of versatility. D- did you go into the same season saying, hey, I want to play a little bit more? You know, you mentioned what, it's been like eight games, I think, so far. So tonight will be the ninth in, in the outfield. Um, I want to play more in the outfield because I want to show everyone exactly what my versatility is. Was it something that you... You know, maybe they didn't ask of you, but you almost asked of them to try to do a little bit more of that. That's kind of how it started last year. I asked to do it first. Okay. They, I didn't. I they had to like give me kind of like an okay. They had to talk to some people or something, and then they gave me the okay probably like a day or two later. And I was actually with Taryn at the time. He was rehabbing at high A. Yeah. And I think I think it was an off day for me or something. I had the game off and. They're like I, they're like go pick Taryn's brain and go uh, go out there and shag with him and do all this stuff with him and I did. Um, I'm messing around about it out there and stuff and I'm like, oh, this is so easy, blah blah blah. Like, who can't catch a fly ball? I'm messing around. <laughs> I'm messing around and then uh, and then you actually get thrown out there. I think I got thrown out there like two nights later for my first game and I'm like, I'm out there. I'm thinking, dang. This is this is actually really hard. Did you, okay, did you have a panic moment? Did you have a moment like, oh my god, what if they figure out I'm not supposed to be out here? Did you have any of that? Yeah, I I did because it was just like in my head as a second baseman, I'm like as an infielder, how much I practice at it, I always want the ball hit at me and stuff, and I always want to make the diving play. But when I was in the outfield for my first game, I was like, I pray that nobody hits this ball to me tonight. <laughs> I hope I hope I have nine innings off. <laughs> Dude, I I go through those fears like when I play, you know, like when I'm messing around with my friends because I know I'm not good. You're Connor Norby. I love the fact that you had to go through a feeling like that. I, I had to get comfortable with it, and now I'm at, now I love it. I I'm very comfortable out there. But there was there I think the first ball that was ever hit at me. We were talking about. I was talking with Taryn. He was like the hardest balls are those low kind of liners Dude. that don't have above the stadium that are trying to hit right at you those are the hard ones and i think the very first ball that was ever hit at me in buoy was that exact ball right over my head like a low liner mm-hmm. and i'm like turning all sorts of ways to try to get in it ended up being a homer but i was 
like right off the bat, I was like, oh no, this is the ball we were talking about. Dude, it happened to both Santander and I can't even remember who was in right field for the Guardians last night. I believe it was Will Brennan. Yeah, Brennan. It yeah. happened to both of them last night. Like, Gunner hit a ball that was right at, I mean, right at Brennan. It was hit hard as hell, but it was right at him, and he just froze, right? Like, he just, and it turned into a two-run double because of it. Like, it's so hard to explain that to somebody that sometimes the balls that are the hardest to handle in the outfield are the ones that are legitimately hit right towards you just because of the kind of flight of the ball, right? Yeah, you just, you don't see the height necessarily, and it's not a great read. You, um, that type of thing, but those are definitely the hardest ones to. It's like as an insider, you're taught to kind of get around the baseball a little bit, see it from the side, so you can see the hops. It's the same thing, dude. I, I, it's it's something that there's no way to. You, you have to go out and do it. Obviously, like you have to go, you know, experience that. Do you find yourself putting like this is tricky, right? Because I look, you know, let's call it what it is. I think you have been anointed by many as the second baseman of the future in this system. So I know you want to focus on that, but like, do you find yourself saying, I want to spend more time ahead of a game working in the outfield because I want to make sure I'm strong there, even if I'm only playing there you know, at, at tops, a quarter, a, ten, a, a fifth, something like that, of the games that I'm playing. I just want to put more time in there. Yeah, for sure. And nothing's ever set in stone. Of and course. Especially in in this organization where the big league team is doing really well and we have a ton of talent here, yep. even at double A and so forth. And you got Jackson and all those guys at high A, um, you just never know. And it, it, it's just something to always, it, you can never have too many tools in your tool belt. So it's just one of those things that I want to keep working on and continue to get better at it. But I mean, if it was up to me, I'd play second base every single night, but I do enjoy playing out. So cool. now I would say now, that's cool. Uh, Connor, Connor Norby is with us here on GCR from the Norfolk Tides. Um, Connor, two, two things. One, um, you mentioned that talent and what's going on at the major league level and what's coming behind. I, the addicting, like you guys are playing fun-ass games down there. Like every time I'm checking in, it just looks like you guys are having the time of your lives and you know what's happening up here. Can you put into words what it means, you know, particularly from when you came into the organization to now see how all of this has come through, the excitement of being a part of it, which is like you're, you know, you're living your dream. You're going to be excited doing it anywhere, but knowing how real it is and how real the opportunity might be to win a World Series with this franchise in the coming years, what that has meant to you to see it all kind of come to fruition. I mean, when I was drafted, we weren't very good. Nope. At the big level, and now. I'm in less than two years. I'm in AAA, and I'm a I'm a step away, and it kind of you kind of you kind of lose sight of that in the day to day. But it's a nice reminder. But I mean, I from going to getting drafted and getting into the system right away, and us sending us to Delmarva, and then going to Instructs, and Instructs was the first time I got to see more guys outside of at the higher levels. That's when I got to meet. Westberg and Joey and Gunner and Stowers and all these guys. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, these guys are in the lower, like that they're not in the big leagues. Like these guys are good. And now like half of them are in the big leagues. If not. And it's just still, I mean, even here in triple A, like the guys that we have here and the guys that we brought in that 
maybe don't get a ton of attention, like a Ryan O'Hearn mm-hmm. or a Josh, Josh Lester or Daz Cameron. Like these guys are good players too. Yep. And it's crazy. And we were actually, it's, it's just funny because we make jokes in the locker room. And I actually asked a legitimate question yesterday. I asked some of the coaches, I was like, Hey, if we played a six game series or seven game series against the A's, how many do you think we'd win? <laughs> Okay, what was the... I was being, I was right. being serious. What? I'm like, the, the joke around the clubhouse all year has been just how good we are. We we kind of... Sh- we show up and we we expect to win. And, like, last night, the heroics at the end, like, yep. just, we, like, it's just funny. Like, we... Sometimes it's like we just refuse to lose. And we could be down for seven innings. I don't think we scored a run after the second inning till the ninth. Like, we were not good offensively last night. And then, boom, game over. Yep. Ben Deluzio coming up with a big uh, game-winning home run last night. And I get two guy, two guy. And it's just it's it's just been a ton of fun so far. But seeing the talent, being around it, working with it, it's just – it can be overwhelming at times because it's like, how do I how do I move? Like, how do I get up there? But at the same time, it's like – it's always – it's a great problem to have. And I – I haven't put a ton of pressure on myself at all this year. And I think most of the guys have done the same, which is you can't put like a timetable or anything on your, in your head about like, you got to be up by this time, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, I, we're enjoying where we're at right now. And the whole goal is for us, we all want to win and we want to go to, we want to go to Vegas at the end. I need to know what was the consensus about how many guys you, how many games you would win in a seven game series. I need to know that. Uh, I had, uh, I, I don't know if I should say names, but I had one that said I had the, well, I had five, someone said five out of six, <laughs> five out of six, and I had two guys say we'd win them all. <laughs> By the way, it's, I, it's sad what's happened. I don't want to, I don't want to rub, you know, throw salt in the wounds out there. It's just a sad situation. No, yeah, I but. get it. Uh, man, you are probably right about that. Well, whoever it was that was saying that was probably right about that. Let me make that clear. Um, uh, Connor, I guess, you know, on the flip side, right, there's the, you know, now it becomes so real that everybody starts talking about the Orioles making trades. Like, is there, do, do you do you start worrying about that at all? Like, dude, I, you know, it's it's so exciting. It's so fun. I don't want to be the guy that ends up being involved in a trade and isn't part of this when it comes to fruition. Like, does that thought cross your mind at all? All the time. Yeah. I think about it all the time. I try not to worry about it because I think it's all in God's hands and whatever is going to happen is going to happen and that type of thing. Um, but it's a very realistic possibility. They did it in Houston and we all knew it would come down to this. And if anything, it's for probably for the whoever is, ends up being traded, it's probably for the better because this, like I said, the system is so stacked. Like, look at Daryl Hernandez. Daryl Hernandez right. has a right. clear path, the clear path to the big leagues, and it's just like it was great for him to get out. And because I mean, it was just you had a ton of infielders. You had a Gunner. You had a Joey. You had you had Westberg. You have all these guys, and it's the same thing pretty much at every spot here. If you continue to go down from AAA to AA to high, like it's just so full that you don't see a ton of movement this year and which is always a great problem to have but we're at the point now where big league teams winning and it's like all right well we saw this in houston now what's the the next step is for them to go and get whoever and we 
you almost kind of hope that you're in one of them sometimes. Really? Really? Yeah. That's interesting. You kinda, sometimes you, you kind of hope you're like, dang, like maybe, maybe I'll be one, one of the few in that package or whatever it might be. But you, I try not to try not to worry about it. You got to be, you got to be where you are at that moment. I get it. I get it. Uh, the the tides are home this week, uh, including Friday night Grayson Rodriguez bobblehead night. Have you had a chance to chat with Grayson at all? Like, did you go over and say anything to him when he got back down there? Uh, yeah, I did. When I first saw him, I was just like, I just, I was like, "What's up, brother? Um, good to see you." And to an extent, like, you know, like he knew what I meant. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see him, but not obviously. You want him to be up there, and he wants to be up there, and everyone wants to be up there, but. And it's, he's, he's in good spirits, I think. And cool. he's eager, obviously, to get back up there. So is Joey. So are everyone else that's been up there and come down. Like, everyone's there. They get eager to go back up. And you want them to go back up. Yep. And, but it's always good to see him. Uh, so it's Grayson Rodriguez bobblehead night on Friday night. And then fireworks and Marvel's Defender of the Diamond Game on Saturday. Are you a Marvel guy at all, Connor? Um, may, a little bit. Okay, He's all right. That, that answers. Marvel guy. You're not like hell bent necessarily on keeping the uniform from Saturday night. That's not like a big deal to you the way it is to some no, guy. Okay. That would that, that's up Cowser's alley. Really? Okay. All yeah. right. Well, is he gonna be back by Saturday night? Oh man, that's he, Saturday night is. Uh, I can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're not gonna get you in trouble. Uh, no. <laughs> nope. We're not go <laughs> there. Um, but these are awesome events for you to get out if you're headed down that way to check out the Norfolk Tides this week. And as we keep talking about with Connor, they're just so much damn fun um, that even if there wasn't events going on, it would just be great to go check out the Tides because it is a hell of a way to watch a baseball game right now. Um, Connor, can you explain to people like how important – because I know I, like half of your social media is your excitement about East Carolina. We are just like m- – in Maryland, the University of Maryland, it was never really good at baseball, so we're just kind of like getting used to it. These last couple of years, they've been a real threat. They just won the Big Ten tournament this year. Can you explain to people that don't know how exciting this time of year is and how much fun the product is and how cool it is to be a part of playing uh, deep into May and into June in college baseball? I mean, it's it's everything. It's what you work your entire fall for, and people ask, like, about the falls and what you do in the falls and falls are, are hell in college baseball for yeah. any program. Yeah. Your practice schedule is brutal. Your lifting schedule is brutal. You're probably up early on a lot of days doing whatever sort of conditioning or strength stuff or whatever it might be. Um, and it's, this is the end goal. This is what every team works for. And when I was at school, this is, all we had on our minds like this is what we've worked so hard in the fall for is when we get to this time are we are we going to ha- be able to handle it and you you're living with those guys all year there you go to class with them you go to, you do everything with them you're with them 24 hours a day and it becomes you become like a family and it becomes bigger than you in a sense and you think about all the history that the the school has had that program has had and you you want to be for my case, you wanted to be the first one to get to Omaha. You wanted to knock the door down. And yeah. it, it became such a big thing. And um, it was like a fa- it was like a family atmosphere every single day. And it's it doesn't get better than conference tournament, regional, that type of time. Like, it doesn't get better than this. And 
Um, I watched as I watched as much as I could for, of the Pirates last week, and I'm going to be watching as much as I can this week and cheering them on because they. Um, I'm a pirate through and through. That's cool, man. That's cool. Connor Norby, this is great, man. I really enjoyed doing this with you this morning. Let's make sure everybody's following at Norby underscore Connor on Twitter and Connor Norby underscore on Instagram, correct? That's the place to check you out. Yep. Dude. Um, hey, man, may, may it continue to, these last couple of weeks, what you've been finding, may that continue for forever. Uh, always appreciate taking the time, dude. Thanks for doing this this morning. Best of luck as the season keeps going, all right? Yeah, thank you, guys means a lot really appreciate it dude connor norby with us here on gcr that was great that was really really great man um you know it's interesting how real he was with a couple of those answers right like that 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 really kind of blew me away um a little bit just just truly how real he got like saying sometimes you you hope that you're in a trade because you know you you feel like somebody wants you you feel like somebody like it, it could be your path to the major leagues. Where here, it's maybe more tenuous. As you look around, you're like, "What? What is my path? Do I have a spot?" I think the assumption has been that second base is there to be had for the Orioles moving forward, and that Connor Norby is the most true second baseman of the group, and so that spot's there. But as we brought up earlier, if they were to move Adam Frazier to the outfield and try to look at Jordan Westberg at second base, then all of a sudden. Jordan Westberg's their second baseman. And if it's working, why are you moving him off of that? And you know Jackson Holiday is coming at short, so you don't feel the need to force him back to second base or force him back to shortstop. So now is there a second base to be had for Connor Norby? I appreciate him reflecting like and how real those feelings are. I, it's it's fascinating, right? Like where you have so little control. You, you try to control everything you can control, your performance. But you have so little control of all of these other things, of what the organization is thinking about, that, you know, almost you're like, well, heck, maybe I'd be better off being somewhere where I wasn't blocked. He brought up Hernandez. Like, I, I don't know that Hernandez was excited about going to the Oakland Athletics, but to the point... There's probably a much clearer path towards becoming a major league player. Now, Norby is closer to that, you know, that place being at AAA level now. But I, you know, it's a fascinating. It's it's very real, very real that um, that emotion. And I I don't know. I appreciate it. I really thought that was a fun, maybe or at least it was a compelling conversation um, with someone who is at the point of the career where they are in Connor Norby. So. I hope you guys uh, appreciate it as much as I did. We are winding down for a Wednesday edition of the program. Do you want to do the movie review? Or do you want to? We've been saving it for forever. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Do we have? I mean, if we if we, we don't we, really have the time. Yeah. Like that was when it looked like we were only gonna have two guests today. Like I felt like there was gonna be the, the time to squeeze it in there in the 11 a.m. hour. Um, but appreciate Stephanie Epstein joining us. I guess we'll save it. We'll come back in. We'll do a tidbit too. We'll to wrap it up. We gotta do it at some point. We can't just continue to not. The segment's gonna die if it's we don't. A, it's, actually. it's a good tease. Did I you think. ever refresh the um, like fighting words open? Uh, I did not get around to changing mm, the open. That's yet. problematic. Yeah, that's problematic. I, I get. We got We got to work on that. Yeah. All right. So that's supposed to be tomorrow, Chris. I, I know. Sure, I, I, know sure I know. I know. Did you watch Ultimate Fighter last night? No, I did not. Do you care? I I I wish I did. I really wish wow. I did, but no. Wow. 
know if you don't. I'm not sure exactly who's supposed to. That's the awkward part about it. All right. Well, so nothing then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, today's not a whole lot this week. <laughs> today's show, it's really not. There's, yeah. There's a, so maybe. There's, somebody's fighting this weekend, uh, boxing-wise. Who's fighting this weekend? Uh, Adrian Broner's fighting this weekend, isn't he? And I want to say maybe Clarissa Shields is fighting this weekend too. Nothing like overly significant, but believe you're on it. Yeah, I think there's a Broner fight this weekend. Hey, go to pressboxonline.com/offers right now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at pressboxonline.com/offers. Tidbit tubular on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Well, that's interesting. So it's not Austin Voth who is starting today, as we have always assumed. But instead, uh, Griffin just points out to me that apparently Keegan Aiken is going to get the start. Now, to the point that you bring up with Aiken being lefty and Voth being a righty, it could be nothing more than... Yeah, just the one-two. A, a piggybacks. I guess the question would be why Aiken first and then both. I guess you want them to set. To, you want, you want to them see to like set Naylor the and I'm trying to think of who. I don't know if Cleveland's lineup's out yet. Let's see. Let's see. Quan, yeah, Quan's a lefty and then Naylor's a lefty. Josh Bell a lefty. Okay. That was the first five. Three okay. in the first five. So I don't. Is Arias a, 
a lefty. I, th- I don't remember him. So, I, but I get, but I get yeah. the idea being yeah. like you're going to throw y- your lefty against the top of the order, and then you'll go on from there, and probably both gets the bulk of the work That's today. What you would think you try to get two out of Aiken, I guess, right, and then go from there. Interesting, um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be Aiken first, then both for the Orioles today, or we think then mm-hmm. both yeah. for the Orioles today, and again that bring it. I, I guess what it does go back to is that they don't view Voth as the solution. That they very much, this fifth spot in the rotation is not determined in any way. I was wondering if they were giving Voth the opportunity to try to, you know, show us 2022 mm-hmm. Austin Voth and win a rotation spot. It kind of seems like either because they're acknowledging we're really holding the spot for Grayson. And the off days allow us to hold the spot for a couple of weeks while he tries to get right. Or, you know, they just simply don't feel like they have a fifth starter. I don't know. Um, but it looks like they are leaning more towards the idea of we just don't have a fifth starter. We're, that's that's what we are as a ball club right now is we don't have five starters. So that's, again, they don't really need five starters for a little while because of the off days, as we pointed out. And perhaps more notably, Aaron Hicks gets his first start. And I said, like, as it, an Oriole, it, it's it's weird because they're facing a righty today. So, mm-hmm. like, why? But I did say, like, this Hyde is the way that Brandon Hyde operates. If you're here, you play. And particularly as you pointed out, with there being, it looks like it's shaping up for there being no righties for or no, sorry, no lefties for the Giants right. this weekend. Then, like, you know, when's he going to play? Now, somebody would say he'd be available as a pinch hitter against a lefty. As, or a lefty reliever as a game goes on, and that's probably what he'll do this weekend. But this is who Brandon Hyde is. If you're on the team, you're going to play. I don't think this is a sign that Aaron Hicks is becoming the everyday center fielder. I think this is a he's here, we got to play him, let's just play him today and kind of move forward from there. But if Brandon Hyde says something else, then we'll reflect on that. Should, should be a fun uh, fun outfield day again. Uh, O'Hearn in right, Hicks in center, and McKenna in left. <laughs> they didn't like what they saw out of Santander, oh, so they're like, uh, yeah, Ryan O'Hearn knows right field. Okay. He knows the Orioles' right field better than anyone. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine how the internet is handling this lineup today. <laughs> I can only imagine how Orioles' Twitter is reacting. Um, I can play right field. I... I, I just, they, I, they, they, they should just DH for me. I'll play right field. I, like right now, I if I was doing this show with Rita, Rita would be losing her. Like <laughs> Rita is the type of person that gets very worked up about the lineups. Good for her. And Rita I will mean, be screaming about this. I'm excited. I am not, I'm excited. I am not this as is, panicked about it. Right. As Rita well, this is, is what always happens: is we freak out, and then yeah, they end up, you know, they the end day where they score eight, eight runs, runs or whatever. And, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Ryan I mean, Hearn hits another three run homer, and you know he probably only has like just one put out in right field, and that's all we need from him. What a goofy ass lineup. That is, yeah, it's it's what a goofy, goofy lineup. They're going against Bieber too, so it's like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. What else do you say? Here we go. Right, let's get a, a a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. So you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Kodai Senga, he had nine strikeouts last night, I giving up him. just Mets, one. Mets are very excited. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Give up one hit over seven innings. He has 70 strikeouts in his first 10 career games, or the third most by a Japanese-born pitcher in Major League Baseball history. Behind only. Uh, uh, actually, you know what? It's funny. 
it, is it Otani? It is, is not Otani. Is it? Is it no, Nomo? It is Hideo okay. Nomo had eighty three strikeouts. It's funny. Him. Like at first, I was like, oh. Then I'm like, wait a second. I actually don't know who it is because like Darvish could be up to that at this point. It is not Darvish. Well, obviously you already said it's Nomo. We know that it's well. Well, there's he was third, so there's another guy. There's there's another guy. Uh, Iwakuma? Not Iwakuma. Yankee. Oh, um, yeah. Tanaka. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Jesus Christ. Masahiro Tanaka had 79 strikeouts in 2014 in his first 10 career games. Uh, let's see which one do I want to do. All right, fewest innings pitched, because I had a couple I saw over the weekend. Fewest innings pitched to 100 strikeouts by a starter in a season since, well, since ever, since the mound is, was at its current distance, so 1893. Surprisingly, so it was Spencer Strider, who uh, reached okay. 61 innings pitched, fewest ever, fewest ever to reach 100 strikeouts in the season. Can you name the other two, the next two guys on the list? Fewest innings? <laughs> I say, Roger Clemens. It's funny because I say all the time, they both did it in the past three years. Uh, they all did it in the past three years. Yeah, the top three guys did it in the past three years. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't even I don't even know who to guess. Um, Garrett Cole, not Garrett Cole. Uh, in the last three years. Guess I'll give you. No, shut okay. up. Know, shut you. up. Cool. Cool. Corbin Burns. Not Corbin. This is dumb. This is <laughs> dumb. All in the last three years. I can't even think of who led the league in strikeouts. That's like the thing that I'm bothered by is that I can't even like. Yeah, I mean like. Shut up. Okay. All right. I'm just going to start throwing out names. Scherzer. Not Scherzer. Not a, yeah, not a teammate of Scherzer either. At least wasn't then. Actually, yeah, never. Still isn't. <laughs> Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber is okay. one of them. Sixty-two in a third innings pitched in twenty twenty. Okay, uh, he reached a hundred strikeouts. You ask me to remember anything about the twenty twenty yeah. season. I can't do that. That's what I found weird about Dodger State. I mean, like, because it, it's it's like they did win the World Series, yeah. but it was it, I like I don't really discredit that being the bubble, you know, being the twenty twenty baseball World Series. But it was like it's like. That's their only World Series, and like that's it. Yeah, that's all they've got. Yeah. I've all often thought about finding a way to include it in Would You Rather Wednesday. Like th- that's what you have. You mm-hmm. didn't get to and have, it's, it. and it's like the Dodgers are they're really good, and it's they're but it's obviously like, really good. But that's, they haven't have they won anything. It's, it's like they it's, have. It's not but, just whether or not you can treat it as a real because you can say I treat it as a real season. Fine, it wasn't. But if you want to treat it as a real season, God bless you. Treat it as a real season. Even if you treated it as a real season, they didn't get to be at home. They didn't get to have home playoff games. Mm-hmm. They didn't get to have any ramp up. There was no way the city could feel anything electric about it or the fan base could feel anything electric about it. I don't think they got to have a parade. Like, There's just no way that any of it could mean to you something similar to actually winning a World Series. No effing way. So I don't know how you treat that. Like, I don't know... I, I just don't know if those memories can mean to you even a tenth of what it would mean to like the only thing I remember about that year is the Brett Phillips thing is the funny like that's the funny yeah, part right yeah. the only thing I remember about the World Series is the one game they didn't win so I have I, I don't know if those players and, can and Kevin mean Cash taking you know uh, Blake Blake Snell out of the that. right yeah. I don't really yeah I guess but like Justin Turner had a good series okay uh, anyway back back to this yeah one more so one more pitcher twenty twenty one twenty twenty one. I believe he won Cy Young that year, I think. Robbie Ray? Not Robbie Ray. National League. 
Who won the NL Cy Young in 2021? It had to have been that guy. I could, I could be wrong. Was it Wheeler? No, it was not Wheeler. Um, who won the Cy Young in the NL in 2021? Oh, I'm wrong. I... He did not win the Cy Young. He won the Cy Young the three years before that. He won the Cy Young all three years. Kershaw. Not Kershaw. Why am I not remembering who won three straight Cy Young awards? Hang on. Sh- don't okay. say anything because it's going to come to me. Why am I not off the top of my head remembering who won NL Cy Young? Was it DeGrom? It was Jacob DeGrom. I don't remember him winning three straight he Cy Young. 18, Youngs. 19, and 20. That's so funny. Yeah. I don't know why I don't remember I that. I guess it's because that third one, it's kind of like, that is a yeah, Cy Young. Yeah, but. Right. but I don't remember even winning. That's so goofy. That's um, so goofy. I have one more. It's another pitching one. We can probably save it. But. Eh, whatever. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so Bryce Miller, he was trying to add his name to this list. Uh, he is the starter, the young starter for the Mariners, the, right. one, that, the one that Stan hates me for giving to. <laughs> That's right. Other team. Um, so he was going for it Monday night against the, or I guess, yeah, it was night, Monday night against the Yankees. Uh, he was going for his sixth consecutive outing of six innings pitched, five or fewer base runners, and uh, and he became one. Okay, he came one out shy of tying that longest streak, um, which is six. Do you, so these guys had six consecutive outings of six innings, five or fewer base runners. So I mean, like yeah, and this, but what's crazy is because it's Bryce Miller's. This is to start his career. I understand. Yeah, that's ridiculous. These guys just did it. That's it's. I'm just guessing good so there's pitches. Four there's, others, there's, there's no four way others. to have context for it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm just guessing. They all did it in, since 2015. Verlander, not Verlander. Scherzer, not Scherzer. <laughs> Try a guy we talked about. Kershaw, Degrom, not, Jacob Degrom last year. Robbie Ray. Not Robbie Ray. Kevin Gosman. Oh, Kers- sorry. Kershaw is on there. I- good good guess. Good Jerk. guess. Yeah, sorry. In 2016. Not Kevin Gosman. Garrett Cole. Not Garrett Cole. Zach Wheeler. Not Zach Wheeler. I- Charlie Morton. Not Charlie Morton. This guy finally got his first. Jake Odorizzi. Not Jake Odorizzi. I-, I don't know. Finally got his first loss of the season yesterday for the AL East leaders. Oh, oh yeah, um, McClanahan. McClanahan. Jesus, Gray is losing two straight to the Cubs. Yeah, right. Bums. Go Cubs. Yeah, go Cubs. Go, go Cubs. Go, uh, Chicago. What do you say? Cubs are gonna win. Shane Bieber. Not Shane Bieber. 2015. This guy did this. What team was he with in 2015? He's still in the league. He's still in. The- Lance Lynn. Not Lance Lynn. 15. Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke. Okay. Correct. Correct. Would that have been that his Diamondbacks days? Or? I don't know. He wasn't. No, 2015. No, he, he wasn't just, in Houston yet. He would have been in. Maybe he was in Arizona. Where he was in Los Angeles. Oh, he, was right. he was a Dodger. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was a Dodger that year. He was second in Cy Young. All right. Uh, is that the whole list? Or we that good? is the whole list. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Whew, that was a bit more difficult than naming star pitchers. Right. Yeah. All right. A lot of them. Uh, Tubular is brought to you today by PressBoxOnline.com slash contests. Well, get there right now. Sign up to win four tickets to all the area minor league baseball teams plus a t- easy pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 Royal Farms gas card. PressBoxOnline.com slash contests is the website. you got to be 18 or older in order to sign up. We're doing it in concert with this print issue of PressBox, which is only on newsstands for another two weeks, and it's gone forever. So you got two more weeks to sign up, and you got two more weeks to go get this for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, the uh, Pipeline Primer, 
issue of Press Box with that Jackson Holiday illustration on the cover. Again, go get it right now. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. As we mentioned, Orioles-Guardians, Keegan Aiken getting the start for the Birds against Shane Bieber, 3 o'clock on Masson. French Open coverage continues on the Tennis Channel. Right now, Carlos Alcaraz dropped the set, which was goofy. But, uh, Who he's is that guy? Taro Dude. Daniel. Taro Daniel? Yeah, I mean, he's like a you know the journeyman that every now and then does okay. something where you're like, eh, I don't, but should not have been taking a set from Carlos Alcaraz. He had no business losing a set to Taro Daniel today. Um, part two of the 30 for 30 on the American Gladiators era tonight. I did not get to watch part one last night, which was a bummer for me. Um, but I was getting, after the Orioles game, I was getting, oh, no, I went to watch it, and you can't, they don't put it on demand until later on in the night, apparently. So by the time uh. it was actually available on demand, I'd already decided I wasn't going to watch it then because I wanted to watch uh, Ted Lasso at midnight, and then I ended up passing out and watched it. nothing. <laughs> so I didn't really, I think I just watched more Shameless is what I did last night because I'm trying to get caught up. Um, the rest of the baseball find at glennclarkradio.com. Some soccer tonight, Apple TV, Montreal Impact, D.C. United at 7.30. FS1, New England Revolution, Atlanta United at 7. TBS for AW Dynamite tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, obviously, the season three finale, maybe series finale. Yes, we still don't know. With Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. Also, the season three finale of Dave on FXX. It is the Scripps National Spelling Bee semifinals on, ah. on Ion Television. So the finals I will be tomorrow. I don't know what Ion Television do I. is. It used to be on like ABC, and they've got right? th- they've got the WNBA now. Oh, and I'm like, I, I don't. Is Ion a network? It's, is it a cable yeah. channel? I, is I, it? I think it's a cable thing. I think it might be like a network, like mm-hmm. like you know the the way the old U, like UPN used to be or something like that. I am so confused. About what Ion is. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, because the finals. And if I don't get the network, can I watch it online? Yeah. I, not that I'm like the biggest WNBA guy, but like I love the Mighty Merc. Right. Like I would watch. I, it's very weird. New episode of Master Chef and Drag Me to Dinner, new series on Hulu. Neil Patrick Harris is hosting a drag queen cooking show. All right, all right. Very yeah, those good. Are the, those I'm are the sure people are being you. very reasonable about that, not overreacting to it whatsoever. Seems for the most part, yes. Okay, I hope that stays the same. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, thanks today to Connor Norby. Thanks to Stephanie Epstein from SI. And thanks also to Dr. David Chow. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. And so tomorrow... Stuff and oh things. Boy. We will catch up with uh, Baltimore, Baltimore's own Reed Wiseman. Ah, right. Yes. He's going to the moon. I'm actually yes. very excited about that. <laughs> Reed Wiseman is joining us tomorrow. He is so much cooler than any of the rest of us. <laughs> We're going to chat with uh, Delaney alum. Right? He was Delaney? Delaney alum Reed Wiseman, who is legitimately, you know, he's already had an incredible career as an astronaut, but now he's going to the effing moon. I'm not sure if you've heard, very few people have ever done that. That's cool. I'm looking forward to that and uh, stuff and things. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including AJ Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, All American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Facebook, and you will be registered to win a free T-shirt from uh, Birdland Sports for Would You Rather Wednesday. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday. Go Birds. Duke sucks.